The Commander Crunch Podcast is brought to you by PureMTGO.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 49. You're here for your nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats served up on the regular. We're all about celebrating the culture, community, and creativity of primarily our favorite format of Commander uh, in Magic the Gathering, plus a side serving of entertainment pop culture discussions for ancillary influences. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Sam. Uh, again, the Wombat Combat. I've, I've played some good uh, combat-focused games this week of EDH. Uh, not joined by Cheshire this week. He's phased out for yet another week, but uh, you'll, you'll get him a Again soon, but uh, schedules and all that. Um, and joined by yet another awesome uh, guest, I guess, to, to kind of fill in that spot and, and hopefully have hours of conversation, good times, uh, which I better introduce straight away or else there's going to be no one else talking. Uh, as you know, our guest profiles with the community and creators have become a place to share and explore the essence of Commander, why we play in an effort to promote and celebrate those. Uh, we're this week joined by uh, it's a, a mythic, uncommon Canadian friend, explorer of the less travelled path of EDH deck building. Someone who's as talkative as talkative as me, so this is going to be no problem having a uh, hopefully not a too long podcast. It's Cole from the Uncommon Commander podcast. How you going, man? Uh, it's going fantastic today, Sam. Glad to be on here. That's good, good. I um so I, I will I will uh kind of preface with I, I joined Cole on uh the Uncon- Uncommon Commander podcast two weeks ago, I think it was, to uh to chat yeah, about yeah, give or take, yeah. Yeah, chat about Furia, uh the, the, the great Orzov uh legendary uncommon who has become one of my real favorite decks and I think will be there for a long time. And uh that that was wild and, and I, I sat there and go, that oh gee, that was a yeah, that was a really quick podcast and you said, Wow, that was the longest podcast we've had. So um and I had a few it's other the, people go, What do you think's gonna happen when you well, get a commander crunch person on there? <laughs> it's the second officially longest uh podcast I had and, and the longest one had four people in it, so uh, uh, and I mean, listen, uh, and I, I will apologize ahead of time if those actually, no, I take it back. I'm not going to apologize. If this goes for three Never. hours, I hope everyone listens intently. I totally have important things to say. Our, our, exactly. Our policy is it goes as long as it needs to. We just want to make sure our guests are relaxed and happy and, and comfortable. And, and that usually means great conversations come out of it. And then you get people like Max and, and, and Ginger Joe who are like, we're, we're going to, we're going to battle for the longest podcast. I'm like, Whoa, okay. I'll stretch my arms. I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> so it's, it's funny as like uh, I'm. I've only in the last few years I've gotten really into podcasts. Listening, mm-hmm. uh, I can usually do maybe like two or three podcasts a week. But uh, when you watch episodes of Critical Role yep. live, yep. Uh, and those episodes could go on for about four hours, you kind of get used to the longevity. And like depending on oh, yeah. the subject matter or what what kind of podcast you're listening. You don't need to tune in 100% of the time, but handling three plus hours of, of audio, you don't need to do it in one shot. You just take a break and come back another time. That's true. And I think that's actually a really good point of like a, a like the user understanding of podcasts, especially uh, that, uh, and I, I don't know if you've had this discovery too, but understanding your patterns as a user and what you, you kind of, what you like to hear and how much attention you pay, uh, you pay to the thing. 
versus when you're editing it and you're producing it, that kind of thing. You, you, you tend to get caught up, especially early on. I got caught up on a lot of little things. And maybe it's like when you get used to hearing your voice, you go, I, I say this one thing all the time and it annoys the hell out of me. Uh, or, you know, you're like, oh, what, will people really find that interesting? Whatever. You get really hypercritical of it. And then you realize that probably the most common way for people to absorb content is maybe in more like a 50% state, which is like they're probably doing something else. And it's more you're the supporting, the conversation is supporting whatever they're doing. They're not paying 110% uh, you know, attention to it, that kind of thing. I don't know. Have you thought about those things? So uh, since, since we were just talking about the longest episode. So I did, uh, I did an episode. <laughs> I did an episode where my friends and I, um, who uh, one of them, Phil, a.k.a. Uh, Jude Hawk, and our two other friends, Josh and Bryant. Uh, we used to play over on on Phil's Twitch at, at, at Jude Hawk, uh, where we just play Commander every once in a while. And uh, they, they came on the podcast and we chatted for two hours. Mm. And I kept saying objectively as we kept going through <laughs> the topics. And uh, I felt really silly when I was going through editing and trying to clean a few things up and all this other stuff. I'm like, uh, well, objectively, this is all wrong. <laughs> you will actually go. <laughs> and and uh, I just felt I felt really. Um, yeah. I, did, I, I guess I felt really silly about it. And then like that was probably the only time that I felt really self conscious about what I was saying. There was mm-hmm. a few other things. Um, maybe that day I was hungover. <laughs> which which is not <laughs> totally a common right. which is not a common occurrence. It's just that it so happens like sometimes the recordings are happen on the weekend. Yeah. So I on the Friday or Saturday or whatever, I, I get a little boost up and maybe I'll play some commander games with some people in the evening and then uh the next day I try and do a podcast and I'm like I probably said something incredibly embarrassingly stupid, but mm. I'm not consciously aware of it at the time, and then I go back and editing like the day after or a few days after and i'm like oh yeah yeah (laughs) but it's true that you really notice when you're editing editing your own audio and they're like you i i think i've even made the 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 point i've said it to people and they're like i i didn't notice that i don't know what you're talking about but there's at the same time but like uh you know some things become your like signature anyway that's well exactly yeah like some people people understand the intent of what you're trying like what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah, you're not doing it a hundred percent verbatim of what the word means or the phrase means but it's just you use it so often in a particular way that people like click on it no problem yeah exactly i was thinking like a saffron olive or something people know from the uh you know the way introduce uh intros or whatever the one i love i don't know if anyone said it but uh you know do you know this is super deep cut but uh magic mics has ruben bressler and ruben says indelible a lot and it's like it's a great word and it's like i've used it once or twice because i've just heard it so many times now and it's i've always uh, wondered as it's, soon um, as i i don't know the character's name from uh what's the movie i just looked this up uh, where the guy's like, that's inconceivable. And everyone's like, I don't think, um, I don't think that's the, like, it's not what that means. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but people, people have princess bride. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And, and it's, um, I can't remember the, the character's name, but he just did such a fantastic job. Vicini, like he does such a fantastic job of, of, of being that bombastic, ridiculous character who thinks he's such a schemer, and then he ends up being like out schemed at the last moment. He's just <laughs> like, "That's inconceivable." It's just like you can't, 
it's your signature thing, but like the way you use it too often that it, it loses yeah. its meaning and it's just like it's uh, it's it's completely goofy. But you you I get you you understand why people say the things they do. Yeah, totally, totally, and it's you know it's fun exactly. Um, so what I was gonna say is is I'll do a little bit of a uh, kind of uh, a once over of what we kind of want to look at today and and have a bit of fun talking about. You you know the drill though, Cole, and and this is the way I I, I feel like I kind of morph your podcast a little bit. I'll go down tangents because I'm so used to them, and you know next thing you know we're talking about my Chromium deck, and it's like hey we're here to talk about this uncommon commander. So apologies. Well, yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> I well, think we can take. We can take those tangents we had on that episode and we can bring them over here and then... Oh, yeah, we can we can uh, light a flame under them and see where they go exactly. But the, <laughs> I think the proof was that we've, we've kind of um, uh, been chatting for the last few months and, and you know, just, just vibing over Commander and, and pretty much most other things too. I think me and you get along with a lot of things and, and have a lot of similar tastes, which is a lot of fun. But um, the, the, the problem is I cannot compete with your knowledge of music and I absolutely have no oh, idea care. about right. any sports. <laughs> so, like, if you tell me names of, like, of of music like something will ring a bell i won't know 100 percent, and i'll have to go and maybe maybe i can start bringing a few things to your side because like uh i i i prepared a list uh, uh for some of the questions later um so we can talk we oh know, nice, music, nice music thing and, and all that other stuff comes up i'll be able to talk about it but uh, i was gonna say as long as i say it's a i can tell you the jojo reference and you'll be fine so I was well like, and <laughs> and you know i've only just started part four uh and i know part five is coming out on netflix sometime in the near future so i'll have to watch golden wind and then yeah part yeah. six is coming out and that's uh so i, I gotta do my catch-up but you know in general uh i'll understand that jojo reference I was going to say, I'm in the opposite boat, so I've only started watching literally season one, uh, but I've I've gone ahead in the wikis and gone, oh, that's, wow, Every everything I could think of in music has a character in this. this yeah, yeah, so, like, that was the thing, that was oh, the thing that's I knew amazing. that when, when we talked about it last time, like, when it was going to come up and you were going to, you're going to hit each beat, and even if, yep. and I said, they got to rename it, or they got to do this or that because of licensing issues, and it's like, you'll be able to recognize... Oh yeah, Who's literally cheering. And, yeah. <laughs> Robert E. O. Speedwagon. E. Speedwagon, like, yes. yeah. And and, and, and how many times overdrive gets used at the first yeah. yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And then yeah, that's that's where I listen to Yes. I think I told you this. Uh, yes, love yeah. love Yes. Yes are amazing and, and just highly recommended for the best just solid prog rock to get into to understand what it's about in the seventies. Um early seventies, yes. But a lot of people uh, a lot of my friends play magic. They are oh yes, oh like the the roundabout song. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like the one. Oh yeah, JoJo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're about we're about to hit the exact same conversation verbatim last time, but oh, the, so the wind up like you hit the end of the episode and the music starts trickling in, and then <laughs> you're like, wait, do, yeah, do, 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 do. yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. It's and, the, uh, it, and it's a banger of a song. Like, oh, it's it, that, so good. that was when that was when yes became. Yes, to a lot of people. Like their first couple of albums were like, yeah, they're winding up, and that's where I think that's where Rick Wakeman comes in, which he played on. Uh, he played with David Bowie. He's played with everyone. He's just the organ lord. You look up a picture of Rick Wakeman. He's wearing a sequin cape and has long blonde hair and playing about six organs, and it's like you, you just rock. You're just the best. <laughs> and so that was the album. It's like Pinnacle, yes. Uh, it's called, is that one Fragile, I believe? Anyway, highly recommended, but I'll stop about prog rock. Anyway, what I was going to say is that uh, after that podcast uh, we had a couple of weeks ago, I'm pretty sure we did, we, we had a chat afterwards, which I don't think we intended to, but that could have filled three or four podcast episodes. Like it was just, we talked we, about it. So. Uh, we talked, I think, 
Um, oh, geez. I think we did just over three hours combined. And, like, <laughs> there, was the, there was more of the before bit. And this yeah. is something about the episode that I wasn't entirely sure how I was going to go about it. Because, like, the part of the conversation we had... Oh, I love the way you did it. <laughs> yeah, I was fan, I was I was a big fan of that one too because it's not the first time I've done that. Um, but we talked a few minutes before I started recording, and then I hit record, and then we talked for that like fourteen-ish minutes, and then the episode actually started. And then after we stopped, which was already an hour and a half at this, at like more than an hour and a half, we kept talking for like yep. another like hour and a half ish and we're just like we it's it's a good feeling i'm i'm exactly i am am a conversationalist and um i also and you know if i'm given the the room to speak i try and make sure (laughs) that i don't speak over other people because i've i've I've, I've talked about this a couple times um Mm -hmm. where i felt like i was ignored when i was younger kind of just in different in, in different scenarios where i wanted to get a word or two in and it just it never quite happened or i so i started becoming a little bit more aggressive about oh when am i going to be able to talk and when am i going to force my way into a conversation so like having the opportunity to chat with some people especially with you um yeah. i feel like i have a room and ha- and and like i find we mesh well together it's what makes it really entertaining totally uh, it's and, it's and, quite and, and, exactly. and natural it feels it feels mm. really natural so no no totally i feel that a bit too and it's um you know i kind of grew up with with uh a couple of siblings. I was a middle child, and like a couple mm. of siblings. That if you didn't get your word in, you were going to be get t- uh, talked over. That kind of thing. So I was still always the quiet one, weirdly enough. So I become very talkative now as an offset. But um, yeah, it, it's a funny little situation, isn't it? exactly? But um, so yeah, like, like what, what I was going to say anyway is 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 pretty much. I think uh, I'd love to grab some of your perspectives on on starting a podcast, like a little bit after we started ours, and and your kind of findings on this, which is great. What it kind of means as well, uh, like your your theme of it, I guess, is the the best way to put it because there's a there's a little takeaway there I love from the general overview of what you do. And it's about finding the little delightful pockets of, of magic. And there's always little unknown kind of off the beaten path type things, you know, that, that it, it's not about using all the staples. It's like, how can we build with restrictions to have a lot of fun kind of thing? And that's generally what I get. And that's what, what you've kind of made a whole podcast on realistically. Uh, and then we've got some Crimson Vow stuff. We've got some, uh, yeah. some cards that have been previewed, 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 uh, which, which, Tons to actually look at, and I think I will dive into these a little bit, and I'm actually a little bit excited. So um, there's there's some good stuff there, and then wherever else we need to go, essentially that's that's fine. Like it's like I say, we could talk forever, and um, I'll try and keep it reasonable, but at the same time, it's just no just gar- a good no time. guarantees for anything. Hell no, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so Cole, I guess first up, uh, we can talk about. I mean, top level. The podcast, uh, uh, Uncommon Commander, basically, podcast. Uh, Just run us through, like, pretty much, like, you starting it up and and kind of what it's about quickly, and and we can kind of, you know, zoom on to some um, brewer's notes after that and then kind of indulge a bit more about your uh, your actual style and, and, you know, philosophies of of EDH and go from there. All right. Um, So... Oh geez, well, I, I gotta try and break down the podcast uh, thing first. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, if if I had to start of, well, when did I start playing Magic and all this other stuff? A general thing was that, like, you you do watch uh, some people like uh, the Command Zone podcast and, and all this right. other stuff, where they've been around for years. Like, mm. and the thing at the end of the day is, is that as a as a lower 
pop like not as popular content creator that like you cannot compete in no, and that's exactly and that's excuse me that's not my goal like i don't I, I, it's not feasible it's unrealistic i'm going to be hurting myself more than enjoying what i'm doing exactly so um they were an inspiration at first but i always kind of sat on the idea because like um i've always kind of wanted to go into entertainment somehow whether it be mm. casually for fun like on my time off or professionally in some measure um i used to uh i used to really want to get into animation and i went to school for it and i was like well that's just not going to be realistic uh mm. i wanted to be a voice actor but i didn't really put the effort in uh i did do theater for a bit when i was in high school but when you only do it for four out of five years and you kind of look back and you're like oh that wasn't that great um you know, it's just, it's high school stuff. Um, so I realized, yeah. like, rather than trying to push myself in something that I knew I was going to be dissatisfied with, I kind of just kept this idea in the back of my head that I'm going to try and do some kind of entertainment at some point, whether that be mm. some kind of video editing thing on YouTube where I do some, like, 20, 30, 40 minute thing where I'm talking about a game like some people. And there's there's a place in, for that. But I'm like, no, nah, that's not really it. Um, we'll just kind of sit on it and you'll draw on the, I'll draw in the meantime and kind of work on some stuff. But so what ended up happening was, um, I play magic a lot with, with my friends locally. And then like, we, we talk about magic a lot and we sometimes like would skip playing a game, just talking about magic for hours. And I'm like, maybe we should sit down and try and do a pet magic podcast. And, and no one kind of really like was fully aboard on like, hundred percent they're like well i don't know like i don't really want to spend money on a microphone or, or anything like that and it's like okay mm. that's fair uh and then that kind of just shelved the idea because then i'm like well then if i just talk about magic with my friends the same way other people are talking about magic then maybe that won't be as entertaining um so this last year and we're talking about a, a year and a half or more of, of the pandemic where i'm just like i, I want to do something now like i'm starting to talk with people uh, i started to get some games in over at mtg lexicon uh, on their discord server and i just started chatting with a few people and i'm like huh okay that's cool i see some people on here doing some podcasts and all this other stuff and then i'm i'm staring at um uh modern horizon 2 sp uh spoilers when they were coming yeah, out earlier this year right. and um i was going through the list and i'm just like i'm thinking i'm like huh, you know this there's these uncommon legends in the list what are they you know go to scryfall narrow down the search well there's only one <laughs> and and it and it's uh captain ripley vance and i'm like holy shit like that that's it like right there this is this is exactly the thing i'm looking for i was so focused on the general scope of things that i wasn't even considering the niche narrow scope yeah, uh, yeah. of what i could be bringing to the table so i started um i i started downloading a couple things to help me out uh my headset which i'm currently using to record right now was actually pretty decent like it wasn't mm. it's not half bad didn't have to break the bank for it or anything like that um and i started doing the podcast my girlfriend's like oh okay cool like um i'll, gi I'll give you the room or whatever you <laughs> need to go to go do it and she she was super encouraging and um I uh I got a few friends who I've played magic with who like listening to it. They they think it's really entertaining and they're like uh and some and you know, they always have the friends that are like I can't be bothered to listen to it cuz like Oh, totally. That yeah. there's <laughs> they they already have sort of like a quota of like how much capacity that they can hold of 
like magic content in general and it's just like definitely agree yeah so i'm like i got i got nothing against that and and it was never really about that anyway um but anyway so yeah i I locked on to that and i started recording and then um you know i talked with uh mono white border aka peter you know he he came on my second episode and we recorded there uh and then it just kind of kept going and going and going and at the same time um some people started noticing and paying attention to what I was doing, even if it was like, you know, one or two people. Um, mm. The guys over on Lexicon brought me on to be like, hey, you can start guesting <laughs> on our streams on the weekend. And we think that's really cool that you're making this effort and you're trying to get your name out there, even if like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And, um, you know, I started chatting with you and all these other people. And hey, you know what? Twitter is a good place to get uh, a decent following. So we got a few people following me on there now. And yeah, like... It's super fun. People do want to talk about these cards because they're yeah. not just your crazy busted mythics coming out of the forest just being like, this is how you're going to build the deck and that's it, right? You got to yeah, work you, for it. You got to really... got to bend a bit and dig a bit deeper and... Yeah. Know, find the weirdness it's, and... Exactly. And and there's... And, 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 you know, not every uncommon legend is is going to be worth talking about because sometimes exactly. they're just like straight trash um <laughs> or, or, or to fill a color slot in you know if it's a cycle that kind of thing exactly yeah and and it's like if you look at a cycle of cards you 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 know one of them is not going to be the the best and totally. if you start trying to compare uh, like a card with other similar cards you're going to realize it's going to get beaten out and it's like yeah, you know what? Maybe I would just grab the rare mythic version of this because like <laughs> you're 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 powering down too much that it's no yeah, longer fun. Yeah, I know. At the same time, I I feel like Peter has given me that perspective to really look at things and go. I would normally just dismiss and go, "Well, there's a better way to do it" or something. And yeah, then, like, the way he and I he the way he uses cards, I'm like, oh yeah, like there's especially it it just makes your your lens kind of refine a little bit more just to try and find if there's something there's a hook or something that just it does completely uniquely. Like, you know, we talk about Quintorius does some weird stuff, you know, the, the yeah. big argument against is, oh, it's five mana or something. It's like, nah, there's this, it, it does something a bit weird. And that's, that's awesome. Like, uh, look for those little things that you can kind of hinge on. Like, Furia was a little bit the same. Like, that was the big argument. Five mana, does it do anything? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Furious, you can work around that. And, and so, if it, it, and I guess this, this is kind of going to tie into like, my personal philosophy with commander in general is that like obviously commander is not what it used to be when it was first kind of publicly introduced and started becoming part of of playing magic even more so than modern and standard and legacy and all this other stuff like it it, it's the casual format for a reason which means if you're going to show up with a um like a 12 mana general or whatever, like whatever it's going to be. <laughs> Shout out to Iname as one. Iname as on. one. Or, or, Man, um, that's, that's rent free in my head until I figure out how to do it. So it's, <laughs> one they, they, we're going to get more, a card one day. That's going to be there's like, some more oh, spirits. Can... There's some more spirits coming in. So it's, it's not horrible. Well, it's but... like, how do we get it into your hand? Which has always been that like, yeah, call or call ash thing anyway. But yeah, it, exactly. So, so, um, Actually, now I'm gonna look up Anamia's one because I haven't, oh, man, haven't it's seen it in a while. The, I had one, artwork. I had a foil one a while ago, and then I traded it away. And, it's um, just the most impressive spectacle of a beast on a card. You're just like, far and and, and, like- and 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 like the other cool thing is like now that because the command rules have changed, the last ability of it dying um, and putting it into exile, you do the replacement effect on the exile half 
Yeah. And yeah. then that allows you to put it back in the command zone. Like, there's a, now a bunch of cards that allows us to interact with the command zone, uh, but it's already a pretty steep cost. But when someone throws Inami as one down in the future, I'm going to be freaking clapping. Yeah, and I think that's applause. the key. That's that point of, like, your your commander um, has, like, a, a little bit of PR to it, you know? Like, it has a presence. You're like, oh, that's, wow, okay, I'm impressed. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, like, that kind of sets the tone for what you're doing. And you can use that however you want, you know, basically. But I, I find an Armour's one's just, like, such a power move just to go, they, well, it's probably not doing anything great, but, like, gosh darn, is that stylish, uh, stylish you know? Like, that's some panache. Like, just just throwing down this 12 mana beastie and uh seeing what happens but yeah you're right you at least get one of the abilities these days when you play it and actually it dies and you get to put a spirit from your graveyard into play but you know i think we'll figure out the rest if there's a way to self-bounce it with uh you know what i'm gonna uh, this has to keep working Here's, I'm, I'm gonna figure yeah. it out <laughs> the workshop continues in, in exactly. the background it's just it's never going to stop and, and this no, is the exactly. thing about and, and you know what listen like Everyone focuses, um, you know, new sets come out every two months now or every other month or, you know, whatever. Like, it, it, it does get overwhelming and it's easy for people to fixate on the big, sexy, like, this yeah. is going to, you know, make waves on commander tables. But, like, not every, you don't need to do that every time. And, like, ah. if the price tag on that card is, like, extravagant, you're not able to get it. And, you know, yes, you can make proxies and you can print stuff out, but... If you could also just take a step back and look at some of the unsung heroes that are coming out exactly. of, of these stories that are also offering um, an interesting change to your personal deck building, the yep. the interaction with like a table of other players, like uh, I don't know. That's I mean that's pretty much where I sit on it. It's like there's <laughs> there are so what many legends coming out. There's something for everyone, guaranteed. Totally. I was going to say, what did Peter say? It's like kind of just enjoys having a worse pile and, and seeing if you can make it work kind of thing. And, and, and loves, you it, know, loves that little Peter, like drama. Peter, Peter makes it work. And like if you've ever. Totally. If He's a better player than me. <laughs> if you've ever read any of his articles um, over on his uh, his Weebly uh, oh, yeah, blog site. Uh, I'll find it. Uh, MonoWetWater.Weebly, I believe. I'll yeah. check it out anyway. P- so Peter, Peter I also know I'm expecting him to be making a new article soon about his uh, his recently changed commander to his uh, 2020 and 2021 uh, cards-only commander deck. Yeah. And... and uh, but- yeah, I I pretty much donated him a few things, and he's and you know everyone's been sending him some stuff. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see uh, what his next articles are gonna be. No pressure, Peter. Um, exactly. We've got uh, our yeah, we've got our Peter quota out of the way for this episode, we, which is good. Yeah, I've got to get we, one we every need, episode. We give him a shout out. <laughs> we need these we need these perspectives in the community. Whether it means you have a cerebral perspective on how to mechanically make a deck, as yeah. well as the completely willy nilly like. Just jam what you love, see what happens, and then after the fallout, you you pick yourself up, clean yourself up, uh, mm. make tweak the deck or take it apart and put another one together in its place. Like yeah. uh, life's too short to commit, and uh, you are not you are not lesser of a player for not having the finances to yes make yeah. make a deck and like and. 
I mean, we're going to keep going on these tangents the whole time. Sorry. <laughs> keep so going. Seriously, there was, down there. There was, um, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or if it was somewhere on Reddit or something like that. And it was probably on Reddit because it's Reddit. Um, someone said, you, if you do not have money, you should not play Magic at all. I feel and, like I saw that a few years ago. And uh, it was just like, it, again, yeah, it was a few years yeah. ago. It wasn't, it wasn't recently, like in the last year or something. But someone posted that. Um, and that rubbed me the, the wrong way. Yeah, no, totally. Me too. And it's like, we're constantly looking at, and magic is a money sink. Of course it is. Like you, you're not, yeah. you know, even on a good day, you're probably spending like upwards of a hundred dollars on singles if you're invested. But we have, we also have people who focus on budgets who make like really decent commander decks on the cheap yeah. for under a hundred dollars. And it's just like, you can still take a quarter uh, mm. or 50 cents or dollar like every paycheck or something like that tuck it away um and and you save up uh in the background while and then you make your deck right like it, it it's a feasible thing you don't have to be punished because you're not paying you're not playing a 50 dollar card or and you know like yeah, some people yeah. say at the end of the day spend that money on a printer cartridge print out your entire deck <laughs> slap it together and like you got a, you got a commander deck you know or- I, I find i find the dig part of the game too and that i um i make this joke that the older i get the more value is exciting yeah i could go and spend 200 dollars on a commander deck i don't want to i don't think that's practical like i that does i would i'll buy you know a couple of packs uh because i can you know from the new set when it comes out because yeah i i, I like getting new cards it's fun um it's the game and i know i don't expect to get any crazy mythic rares or anything but at the same time, that that whole game of of searching for cards that aren't used very very much, that kind of thing, and building decks out of those is is really where it comes down to a lot of fun too. Like, and that's the thing; it's personal preference that I will get the cards. But at the same time, I'm not averse to printing out what I need to if it's something that, especially, is out of my price range. It's just like mm-hmm. I I don't, you know, it's but for a good reason type thing too like if it's like i i, I want to play this for thematic reasons or something like that it's like uh i'll generally not do it for power but everyone's got their different kind of stances on that and that's completely fine too but yeah i mean, you're I mean right. we're, we're the magic is too complicated and there's too many cards to really get yeah, totally swept up in in hype and all this other stuff like i i've had people i've had friends bust out their deck that they haven't played for five years or they just happen to have the same bill yeah, yeah. like i don't spend that much money anymore and all this other stuff it, those decks can hang out it's who cares right totally totally if, if it like, functioned back then just because the game has somewhat changed recently for some people does not mean it is a big sweeping change across the board right like we're we are enfranchised no. we're enfranchised players on the internet who absorb content yep. Exactly. I was going to say too. It's like that is part of the the, the feature and nature of EDH anyway. That it, in a uh, a four player pod, you're going to have a bit more kind of uh, what do you even call it? Like a much easier kind of role and and place in that in that four and and being able to hang in the game than potentially a one v one will you know absolutely heighten any weaknesses or that yeah, kind of thing. In, like, in, a, de- in yeah. a deck kind of you know feeling out of place from like say a modern deck four years ago versus a modern deck now whereas an edh deck four or five years ago versus an edh deck now you're still gonna have a sweeper that blows everyone up you're still gonna have a you know this that whatever like some design things change but you know you're you're probably still going to be able to take games. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 the strictly better versions of some of your older cards, like just because yeah, yeah, a little bit cheaper, a little more effective, doesn't change the fact that they're 
contemporaries sometimes are alongside them in a single build, you know? Yeah, totally. So, like, still run a Fiend Hunter, even though there's a, there's a uh, what do you call it, Daybound one now or something that does it multiple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like... It's it's still and it's it's actually quite nice to see those run again essentially, but yeah, it's um it, it's fine. I think I've had that that a few times that people can feel like they've been left behind a little bit. They're like, oh my 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 thing isn't updated. Like feeling like they have to. I'm like, you don't have to. Like I can I can leave a deck for a you know a year or two and just just leave it with all the cards I had in then. I don't have to. I don't feel the need to update it every set. You definitely don't need to. It's fine. I I mean I'm. I, I think I haven't bought a whole lot of singles of Midnight Hunt or Adventure mm. of Forgotten Realms. I mean, I, I bought a, I bought a gift box on a on a whim just because it was it was holidays and all this other stuff. Um, exactly. And it's just like you cannot, you can't get sweeped up in this FOMO yes. kind of feeling because like you're just you're gonna get overwhelmed or financially overwhelmed or emotionally overwhelmed or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's not sustainable. They, they make it's, too much product to do that. <laughs> and it's just exactly. like, you know what? I will guarantee you whether... Like, I, I just sent... Like I said, I sent Peter something through the mail. Um, and, and he asked me, he's like, do you want to do trades or something? I'm like, if it comes up, we'll work on something afterward. But for the time being, you have a project and I just happen to have the expendable income or just the collection because like Mm -hmm. that's I just have one that I need to work through and get rid of over time but I was just like I got a Sigardian um was it Sigardian Avenger or Sigardian Savior or something the the five mana one that if you cast it from your hand it brings back to CMC or two 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 mana value creatures back from your graveyard is that the one from Coldheim no, that's Ooh. from no, that's from um um minute. I was gonna say if it's the Guardian, I'm I'm an idiot. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Never mind. Yeah. I'm just thinking. Yeah, there was a Fortel one that does something. There similar. was also the Fortel um, one. I think he has that one. But so I was just like, I have a few things. You know, I had um uh I had Odric's t- tired of your shit board wipe, um, <laughs> which I absolutely love that nickname for that card. Uh, slaughter, slaughter the. Slaughter the Horde, I think? No, that's too... Oh, is, uh, is it the, the two-mana, uh, basically the Blasphemous It'll basically, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent I sent him one of those, because I opened two of those in my pre-release kit. I opened I, nice. the Sigardian, uh Savior and, and a few other little bits and bobs that I had lying around, because I'm like, he is one of the mono-white guys. He's doing this whole article <laughs> thing. It's functionally... It's, it's easy for me to do that and not have, like, an IOU held over his head like a gun like i don't really care for that kind of stuff i'd rather someone yeah. like him get get something i, I love that stuff too and it and it goes to show you you know like it's doing little selfless act of, acts of kind of kindness like just i'm just going to send this to you because i think you deserve it you know you never know where that you know that's that's there's a lot of goodwill thrown around that and, way. and if and, and he said you know he said like oh uh, like i have your address now i can send something back to you and i'm like yeah you like <laughs> Or you could just stalk me and murder me in my sleep. I don't know, but <laughs> but you know, the, I understand the sentiment. But like, there is no rush. There's no immediate need. I'm not yeah, suffering. Yeah. If something comes up, I'm super appreciative of it and I'm thankful for it. But like, there's yeah. life. Uh, you know, the I think the terms come up a lot, and my girlfriend says this a lot. Like, life is too short to get caught up uh in the small things and we're playing a card game like that's the other <clears> thing too exactly it's, it's, that's a nice little dichotomy because my theme for you is like get excited about the small things but like you say don't get caught up in the the you know 
the small things that could bring you down. It's a it's a good little like contrast there. Because I was about to make the uh, comparison. I've always believed buy your friends a drink when you go out with them, whatever. Like mm-hmm. who cares about like putting it like splitting the bill to the nth degree to make sure it's it's absolutely uh, the the books are balanced. It's like no, nah, in the long run in your life that's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. Like you know what I mean. You're going to get more back non monetary value. Um, yeah, as know, long as it, no one's like fully taking advantage of you, then exactly. Like, who like cares? we can, and it's funny in magic we find ourselves like counting the cents on things. You know, we really do. It's like, oh, that's a two dollar card. Oh, it went up to three dollars. <laughs> it's like I, I mean, three dollars, okay, man. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. Here's the other thing too. Like, whether you're someone who focuses on like MTG finance or trying to, yeah, yeah. trying to, trying to play the MTG stock market or whatever. Well, that's true. There are some like, people. There are some people who do that. I'm not one of those people. I don't really care. But like, yeah. you know what? You sit on some cards for like five or ten years, and they just happen to shoot up in price. It's like. If they're part of the reserve list and you have them, keep a hold of them. But if mm-hmm. it's literally anything else, like, I don't know. Are you playing that card? Trade it in or see if someone else, you yeah. know, wants it and get your 20 30 40 $50 value out of that one card, you know? it's Yes, yeah, swap for a pre-corn or something or a box yeah, or something. Yeah, like, no, exactly. Like, or, or, I, I don't know. I've spent, Maybe. I've, I've been trading in a bunch of cards recently to one of my LGSs, and I've probably gotten over 200 something dollars worth of trade value with the store. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. And I've, I've gotten myself some really fun stuff, and like, whether mm. it be one big card that's worth like 50 something dollars or whatever, or it's a, a handful of cards that are collectively worth 20, like, I, yeah. I just got, uh, where is it? I got myself a, co- I got two copies of Pitiless Plunderer for like, 20 bucks i saw that and that that was the one people like oh check your uh chaff box from x because you never know right Uh, i got (laughs) i got myself a foil copy of the meat hook massacre yeah that's nice i feel like that's going to be around and probably high for a little while it's it's, uh, we're talking about a two-manner board wipe that has aristocrat stuff kind of tacked on top of it and you know if you happen to be playing uh uh you know not commander and you happen to have four copies of that you just cast another one and sack the other one like that it's seems insane, super sweet yeah. that's a super exactly. like it's a super good design I'm a, I'm a big fan of that card yeah that's that's a great point though putting putting money back into your uh especially lgs uh economy flow if that's the way you want to do it otherwise i don't know buy buy a um get a good night out for your um you know significant other or something like that just like there's other things in in life to use magic puns for that's fine but that's that's also a great point as far as like uh, trading back to your store keeps that that economy flowing and helps them out as well and you know because I think singles are one of the best things for their their kind of uh, overheads that kind of thing too yeah and so, and um, and the thing the other thing is uh, you know I think a few other people uh, have pointed out despite the fact that we're in a pandemic yeah. magic has been absolutely insane it's been booming oh yeah uh yeah. we're playing magic like i'm playing magic like every weekend or every few days or whatever um, me too more than ever like more like wild. more than ever like and not maybe i don't get to, i don't get to play with my friends as much but the trade-off has been that now i get to play with a bunch of you wonderful people now like more often yeah. um and uh like that's just like that's that's a cool thing, which also means when you go to your LGS and they don't happen to have the card, you know, you want, it means someone else also came by and grabbed that card. And now, um, you got to ask yourself a lot, really, in my case, is that like, do I need this particular card if I'm not interested in playing it? 
And yeah. as long as it isn't on the reserve list, you can just you could just trade that away right now and probably never regret it. Exactly. It's fine. Um so speaking of cards, speaking of new ones, Crimson Vow, do you want to talk about it? All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's talk let's about do it. it. I'm, like- I'm actually pretty fresh through most of this. I've I've seen a lot of the pictures and, and gone, I can yeah, what the cards kind of are. And it's funny that spoiler seasons now I used to just absolutely uh, focus on every card every day it came out. These days I do a bit more of a broad sweep and then get pleasantly delighted by the ones I for- I did not even see and then they I play them on pre-release and I go, what is this? Um, I just like slow roll it a little bit. So there's there's a lot of fresh delight here. I, I literally got caught up scrolling before. I'm like, wow, they made a slug horror legendary. That is cool. That Talks was the, that corrosive. was the one from today. By the way, we're recording that. Well, I'm recording this on Halloween in my part of the world. Yeah, I was, um, yeah. Which Spookies. like super sweet. Um, but seeing this card released today has been fantastic because yeah, uh, it, it. I think this slug. Uh, this Toxril the Corrosive has been a, a pretty much a good, a good representation of design in for for Commander and for Limited and for whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, but we're talking about a seven mana seven seven legendary creature that is black but has a blue pip in one of its abilities. <laughs> this and is a, a Commander ass Commander card. <laughs> it is, and, <laughs> I love and, it. and and I know there's going to be people who are complaining about it and all whatever. I love this card. It's super sweet. Um, I'm as people are pointing out, if it was any lower in mana value, it would become a problem. Yes, yeah. It's just a nice like. I, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. They they've got some nice cards now. Actually, no, I talked about. Yeah, I talked about it with you. Well, we did talk her, about it. Yeah, because you got yeah the um, figure thing about like larger CMC creatures and more leaning into that for a commander sense. The the flashback cards that reward that in a way. Yeah, like I yeah. I got a I got my copy of Visions of Ruin right in front of me right yeah. now. Where it's four mana. Each opponent sacrifices an artifact for each artifact sacrifice ray. You create a treasure token. With the yeah. flashback cost of eight in double red. I love and it that costs one. X less to cast this way, where X is the greatest mana value of a commander you own on the battlefield or in the command zone. That so, card is like 50 cents right now. And it's big, like, I, I, I don't think it's going to go crazy, but it's like, I would pick oh, up I'd, a couple I'd, if I'd, it. Yeah. I might want to do that too. It's just a really It's fun just a nice card. I think I'll play it all the time. Uh, I mean, hey, treasures have become a little more ubiquitous. Like, it's totally. They're more common. So it's just like go for it. It's it's a it's and and that also means play your five six seven mana red whatever yeah. creatures because um, it you're just gonna have a good time with it with that reduced cost being able to do it twice in a single turn like come yeah on. exactly no super 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 nice and I just love seeing that and and you know uh, it's it feels like sometimes a bit of the commander of your you know like I don't think anyone's going to complain about tox rule. Uh, putting minus one counters on each each uh, each creature you don't control, you know, slowly, basically slug like, you know, uh, making slugs second. Like it just does everything cool on a card, but you have to get there. You know, someone could just remove Toxor, that's fine. But um, you know, I, I, I like it rather than going to the, you know, having to uh, go breakneck pace just to get your two mana commander out, which is nice. And sometimes, you know, they get under for a few hits, you know, and that's that's actually a a nice little point of difference sometimes but anywho uh so what else did we have here i mean you've looked through the set a lot more of, of yeah you know, I've... Of, of what you're really jazzed about and like there's some things you so can, so yeah. they they released the other cycle of those double lands that 
uh, enter tapped unless you control oh, two or more other lands. So those are super sweet additions for, I'd yep. say, for budget, all this other stuff. Uh, new versions of the full art basic lands, which I think are, as usual, stunning. Uh, I'm a big fan of mm. the island with a crashed ship along the shore. Uh, I just yeah, think yeah. that's super sweet. Um, Super Lovecraft, yeah. And, you know, hey, uh, Stalia Garden of Thraben reprint, which I think, super shocking to see. I I, I guess... I know, uh, right? I was was a guest on MJ's podcast, the MTG and Quarantine podcast, where we wildly speculated about uh, cards that were going to be released off of Mark Rosewater's uh, teaser. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? I kind of hit the mark on one like 50% and then the rest of them I think I'm just completely wildly off base. I I know <laughs> I I uh I'm now a little more afraid about some of my guesses coming true, so we're going to have to see what's happening in the next week. Yeah, true. Um but seeing Thalia return uh not not for commander, but like a super great sight to see. Fantastic artwork as usual. Um yep. There's all the uh, super sexy Flanders versions of, of <laughs> alternate frames for a lot of the vampires. So that uh, is true. That is true. People who like their uh, super sexy bishy anime boys for vampires. I mean, eat your heart out. I'm not oh, yeah. here for that. But I'm here for the black and white artworks personally. Um, yeah, exactly. But uh, let's see, Olivia Crimson Bride, uh, fantastic third version of olivia being able to return uh something from your graveyard and you know six mana you know some people aren't going to be a fan of that but i think we'll be seeing some of her here um man i don't know where else to start the new ability cleave is interesting if visual oh yeah that's a great one to talk about in this one and because i've said it and i agree it, it doesn't gel the best with my i have to read it about five times to i go, understand uh-huh. i i can understand the function of it yeah. i know some people have issues with the naming of the ability which like i wasn't entirely sure uh, it sounds like a, a battle ability or something like that yeah, yeah and 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 like you know what like it is what it is i'm not uh i'm not too picky about like the phrasing or anything like that. I just think it's just functionally yeah. cool. I do like I think dig so up too, yeah. as as a prime example of like for a green, you search your library for a basic land card, put in your hand, and shuffle. This is a common green spell kind of ability. We're not unused to seeing that. But then by paying its cleave cost, you get to slash out the um the the words with the square brackets, and yeah, then it yeah. changes from search for basic land, reveal it, put it in your hand comes search the library for a card yeah uh which is uh you know what that modularity is super big yeah sorry oh yeah the rare um and it's it's black black green so it's like it's a golgari card that's it's really cool design it's the type of thing it's very it's so firmly bottom-up design though like Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. i I saw people going there's no like flavor reason i'm i guess but it's like a lot of other things, it's a way to split two abilities into one, which kind of furthers my absolutely furthers my uh, belief that they've they've realised that a big part in you know long franchise players and also new players like that that just maximising the joy of and like doing something in a game, always having something to do, and it's like modularity really does that, and that's where you see a lot of new card design is just 
uh, and we talked about this in the podcast too. There's just like there, there's always a mode to use. There's you're never going to have it like it's it's removing all those times you have a dead card. So you have a lot of cards just have dual abilities now, that kind of thing. But and I think this this is going to make a lot more sense on Arena, of course. Like a lot, yeah. Of things. Like you, what's, you what's things two, are automatically handled for us. Yeah, like, you you see two visual cards without all the stuff trying to be written. You know, in the the interface of a like a, a, a physical card is there's a lot more to kind of uh you know a lot more reliance on text and stuff. And so I look at that and I'm like, it's it's reading a sentence without it's it feels like an algebra equation sometimes in my head. I'm like, ah, search for a and and especially some of the longer ones. I think. A sorcery, a nice single ability there is great. There's some of them that there's a few lines you're like, I have to read this like five times. And I, I just, I don't know. And I think that's probably just more my personality, which is uh, the way I pass things. And that's completely fine. I I definitely admire the design space, but it'll probably take me a couple of seconds <laughs> you know, each time. Yeah, I, I mean, th- speaking speaking of arena and other stuff, um, there was a, a a functionality thing that I didn't quite pick up on until someone pointed mm. it out, and I saw it in action in Arena. Um, Quintoria, uh, we talk about Quintoria's uh, field <laughs> historian. Um, yeah, yeah. This is the thing about Arena that I think is actually pretty useful for some like new releases if you want to try out some mechanical that's true uh, functionality stuff. Um, my big thing is using. Um, Hold on, I gotta bring up the card real se- in a quick sec because like it's it's functionally similar. Uh, where's I, my notes? I think I know what you mean. But you can totally find times when it's uh, you are surprised by an interaction. You're like, yes, oh, I did so, not know it was gonna work that way. The amount so, of times I've done that with cards, it's like, oh, that ends up on their side of the board now. I've made a grave mistake. You know, so, like, so an historic brawl. I was trying out a Quintoria's deck, and yep. I'd arbitrarily put um, bag of holding into the deck Interesting. because yeah yeah because uh i needed some type of card advantage and just this other stuff however um if you wheel your hand for whatever reason whether it's like partial or whatever uh bag of holding counts each discard as a separate trigger leaving your graveyard oh Which, so it does the quintorius thing so you're it's they are hitting your graveyard first and then going yes, to exile yeah so so you can turn a wheel with a bag of holding out into Oh, five x three twos times or x yeah x x tokens or however many you want uh and then someone blows up your bag of holding and you're you're sad but well, yeah. it did you know you functionally did its thing and bag of holding was definitely one way to sort of turbocharge uh that requirement of bringing a creature card out of, or bringing a card out of your graveyard uh yeah so so arena i think is super sweet for some like playtesting in historic if you want to at least make like a commander deck because there's going to be enough cars from at least the last few years that fulfill a niche mm. so you get to test it out um but but that's you know that's that's a whole other other thing um but hey curves and vow spoilers uh there's oh man <laughs> they brought exploit creatures back which i'm super i'm yeah. a big fan of uh fan. being able to see overcharged amalgam uh, which flash flying exploit? It's a double blue and two for three three. What an when absolute it, unit! <laughs> ex, absolute unit when it exploits like a, creature, a Dark Souls boss, please or Bloodborne boss. Well, please, oh god, like, okay, well, let's, let's, <laughs> I mean, heck, let's talk about Bloodborne. But, let's uh, go there. Yeah, we're in the set for it, man. Like it's. I remember I started playing in Shadows. Yes, and yeah, I yeah. was like, this is just the Bloodborne. The set. This is amazing. I love it. Yes, I, mean, the, I think Bloodborne just came out at that point, or was it was two thousand? I think it was two thousand. 
That's um, 15, 16. If it was That's 2015, because the next year was Dark Souls 3. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was kind of back to back right after each other. I missed out big time, and I'm, 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 I regret it a lot because like I got so frustrated with the opening level of Bloodborne, like I couldn't really get past. Oh, it, um, it hit different. Like I, I was, I was a. Well, it's I a completely was, different Dark Souls. Like it's not Dark Souls. Like, I, I, I saw thing. myself as a Dark Souls vet at that point, and I still got hammered, and I was like, yeah, but. That's the whole point of Dark Souls. You you meant to humble yourself. <laughs> just go, yeah, you and, 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 and I I could have a conversation about Dark Souls, which we can have later. Because exactly, it it, it it you know it, it does match because like you said, we're on Innistrad. Uh, we've been through the Gothic hard part. Now we're yeah. in the Eldritch Horror part, and now we're back with a bit of whispers because there was a card that was uh spoiled today. Uh, that kind of harkens back to remind you that there is still an Eldritch Abomination sealed mm-hmm. in the moon with I... Uvenwald Oddity. Oh, I didn't see this. What color is it? Um, it's green. It's a uh, giant beastly moose-looking thing. Ah, of course. Oh, uh, but yes. But you look at the other side, which is, becomes Uvenwald Behemoth, and it has a mouth popping out of its stomach, just to humbly remind <sighs> you that we're still not over. Uh, I love that. We're, we're going to be back eventually, but uh, this card is super... Oh, my God. I can't believe... I'm like, on one hand, I'm like... Why does a green card have haste? But you got to pay seven mana to flip the damage. Oh, uh, I, I get excited when I see a green green card with haste because. You oh, think I of, mean, and oh, yeah. hey, other creatures you control get plus one plus one and have trample and haste. I'm like, mm, it's so good. Got to put that in something. I uh, like it. I like it a lot. I was going to say very very quickly. That's I I love that deft touch in um I don't know if that, is that the word but just really nice touch and subtle kind of note of world building that you don't have to saturate a theme somewhere but it can be one card and there's such an elegant kind of note of that and the one i love was i think a lot of people see that zendikar set as apart from mdfc's functionally for like you know they just make your deck half the time now Mm -hmm. uh it's fairly forgettable something whatever um and and not like the originals but the way they did the forsaken monument that there was just yeah. a note to it's like guess what was here before like think about that for a second and i love that they did this because that they, they, it's in, in a world where we feel like everything has to slap you in the face like and like you know just for your attention and you know absolutely ram it home on a train it's like this subtle touch it's like guess what there's still this thing that reminds you of uh you know there's a couple of mouths and pincers coming out of weird places is that going to turn into anything? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I just watched uh, Rhystic Studies video on oh, Horrors of Innistrad. Nice. Uh, I would recommend anyone who has not seen this to go watch it because it was amazing start to finish. And I absolutely adore this plane because I started yep. playing in. I basically started full time playing when original Innistrad came out. Oh, nice, and, nice. And um, seeing because the the topic comes up and it is a bit of a spoiler to to talk about the video because he starts talking about how in Eldritch Moon um and and shadows that it like the the appearance of Emrakul on the plane is very blatant and it might stand out in comparison to the gothic horror that we're so used to seeing like it stands mm. out to almost too much yes um, yeah. which i i understand there were some people that might have felt that the identity of the plane much like Zendikar, like, is irreparably, like, ruined. Um, yeah. But, like, like seeing, like you said, seeing this card is a reminder that although the events happened and everyone acknowledges it, but we don't, just because we don't see it as often doesn't mean it's completely 100% gone. 
So getting yes, this card exactly. as a sort of last minute holdover um, to remind you that there's some creepy alien things still out there. Uh, again, very Bloodborne-esque. Big mm-hmm. fan. Uh, and, I, and I'm and i a big fan of it more now than I was back when Shadows first came out. Because yeah, I still don't too. really have... I don't have a uh, as a firm of a grasp on eldritch horror like as a as a genre and whether it's be playing it as a game or reading it or or Mm. watching it or whatever i'm not i'm I'm not a big buff on it but i do understand that it exists and seeing how bloodborne as a game visually combined this sort of gothic otherness that people are used to but then backing it up with the slowly encroaching reality that there is something else going on and it's freaking weird. That was really cool. And uh, yeah, going back and seeing all these old cards and being like, you know what? This makes a lot more sense now. Um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's two layers to it. And and it's, it's funny that Instrads totally work the same way too. And it, there's, these whole worlds are about duality. Like it's always been werewolves and vampires and it's always been, uh, you know, actual kind of status quo. Spirits of the undead. Yeah, exactly. Day to day. And like the, the, you know, hanging on to bastions of reality and then the, the unknown, the eldritch, the weird. And it's that bloodborne hits the same too. You, you, you're in this and that's hopefully is not a spoiler this many years down the track, but the way that does that and that holds that back for a good half of the game and then it completely just like horizon is inverted the way like berserk does it too and i know that's why they, that's why they 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 uh they get such great uh, inspiration from berserk because berserk you're you're kind of going through this story i think in the movies especially i don't know if you've experienced them but they're like they're probably the closest inspiration for dark souls and it's yeah well i i i understand the references i've i've yeah, seen yeah. Oh, i'm not you, i'm not 100% actually. i'm not 100% up to date on uh berserk and now yeah, i have yeah. all the time no, no, in fair, the world fair. i have all the time in the world now unfortunately because <laughs> of the passing of mira but seeing yeah. the abundant and blatant references of yeah. berserk like unapologetically present as yeah. as an emo as an homage as a shout out whatever you want to say it is so cool it's so oh, cool it, to see it's amazing even like Sekiro they, they talk about there was like this fascination with like um using a and like an amputee limb or something and like you know using a, a weapon in place of that which is totally guts the main character and, and that kind of thing it's really cool but yeah there is a moment it seems like very medieval high fantasy or not even high fantasy just medieval kind of uh anime basically which is a really cool theme i guess and and, and it, it hits on anime very differently it's great uh and then it just completely switches and the movie does this really well the manga kind of starts off by letting you know the kind of world you're in and then zooms back to the past whereas the movies start and you just like meet this young guts and it's like there's two movies of like oh, i think i have an idea what it is and then it just flips you just like and it does the like when you meet rom in um in bloodborne yeah yeah Oh, this world is not the world I know. Like, I love that point. That's so like, so good. Like, you're you're kind of getting glimpses of it, but you don't really quite see it unless you yeah, this for whatever reason. Exactly. Like you, if you go crazy on the insight early, that and then oh. you get to see the uh, Algamidia like hanging off the sides <laughs> all over the town, and you're just like, uh, hold on a minute here. Yeah, or like the thing I- you know. Uh, absolutely love that that each of those games have 
infinite amount of stuff to dive into and you watch a Vardy video video oh yeah yeah like, yeah Vardy video and, yeah and it's like what it all means and it's like I love that and that's that's generally a concept in and I was gonna say if Bloodborne's the only Lovecraft quote-unquote thing to absorb I think that does a really good job at embodying a lot of those core Lovecraft stories and, and in I a way that's just a direct analog it's perfect yeah the, the other thing about uh, I think most people's videos about Bloodborne or Dark Souls or, or you know in that kind of little niche that even if you do kind of assemble an understanding of the story like mm-hmm. in the background you still don't get a hundred percent of the details so there's always this sort of elusive side of it where totally nothing nothing is clear-cut black and white there's this weird shade of gray that might actually be like magenta or whatever you know, <laughs> like, oh, did you just make a color out of space reference like, yeah have you seen well, that movie? i mean yeah I, that's, that's, no that's, that was not an intentional thing i that's just totally that it's it's a lovecraft concept but it's a nicholas cage movie set in modern day and it's oh like <laughs> i highly recommend you watch it because it's the same thing but it's about what is a color that kind of is unlike any color like you've ever seen and it's kind of this weird magenta purple thing on screen so wow you did it you made it <laughs> you made i did connection. i did a thing that i didn't even mean to do but the, <laughs> exactly yeah, like also kind of with innistrad and how Emrakul cool is kind of sealed herself in the moon and there's sort of this mm. ambiguity to the situation um you know uvenwald oddity slash behemoth is a reminder that there is still something going on in the background we're just not quite ready to see it just yet and you know what that could be in maybe another five years before we come back and we actually get to see the fruits of our labors you know and and maybe they're they're planting the seeds in a way that they don't even know if they're going to touch on it again and i love that i think that's really really cool it's like here here we go There's there's a hook to kind of you know direct on if we want to you know that's that's great but who knows who knows um but but moving on because I again Bloodborne you can talk about that forever. Oh um, yes. Some of the other ones that I thought were personally really interesting or just really cool. Uh, Runar Stromkirk and the flip side of him, Crothis, Lord of the Deep. Uh, yes, yeah. Did yep. not did not see this coming. <laughs> I'm a Neither. big fan of this. Uh, I know a lot of people are kind of have been chatting about it. People are like, well, how do I fit? How do I fit this? uh uh deep sea creature legend into my simic deep sea creature deck and then people mm-hmm. are like mm, partners wherever i'm just kind of skip the green and i'm just gonna kind of make a deck out of this yeah, person because yeah. like i think there's something really cool here uh being able to find a way to flip runo into Crothis, uh there will be a bit of work in that some people might want you know uh want their scries they want their uh, their top tops. I can't even remember. Oh yeah, yeah, top deck manipulation yeah. stuff. Your, your uh, soothsaying and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you know you flip it over to Crothis Lord of the Deep, which is not going to be the beat face commander, but it will be the enable your big scary Kraken Leviathan Octopus or Serpent and make another uh, make. Uh well I'll say sorry hold on I I need to reread this card read your cards people that's it's how yeah I know you I, I'm reading um, it too because I I and it, again like uh, generally cards are wordy these days there's yeah, so many so, words I can't read them all and it's so like, yeah, so this yeah one, so well. create a tat an attacking token that's a copy of another target attacking creature okay yep. cool if mm-hmm. it is a crack and leviathan octopus or serpent create two of those tokens instead which. Uh, I'm eyeballing my cackling counterpart, uh, yeah, instant yep. card, and just being like, so you're telling me I can make more than one of these? 
It's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just so good. I love seeing this. I'm a big fan. Um, and I'm starting to realize that Morrow's teaser actually hinted at this card several times. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, big, big, so, big fan. Big fan too. So what's the condition? You basically go into the battlefield. So, so Runo, it, I think this one definitely, I won't read them all, but definitely worth reading. Cause I'm, I'm boiling this down and. As I said, I was like, yeah, this looks me. Looks like me all over. I've run a Rexial deck for years, and I love Rexial. Um, but Runo Stromker is a one blue black, one four vampire cleric. Ooh, ooh, good creature types. But flying, and then when enters the battlefield, put one target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. Okay, cool. Kind of has a, a bit of a roomy vibes too, I guess. You know, messing with your graveyard there. Um, at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card. If it's a creature card with mana value 6 or greater, uh, is revealed that, that way. Transform Runo. That's pretty easy to satisfy. Almost like a um, uh, Delver of Secrets type trigger. And then you get Crothus, of course, the 3-5. Kraken Horror. A couple of things to unpack here. This Lord of the Deep has flying? What? Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> A so flying is, Kraken? I love it. I mean, this is the cool thing that's that now that if you actually kind of pay attention to the specific cities of, of Innistrad, that turns mm. out, and and I'm not much of a Vorthos guy, that the Stromkirk uh, Brood has been publicly hanging out in Ephalia for years. Yeah, uh, yeah. Making, having this sort of precarious balance in public with the humans, while Runo is a big worshipper of the ancient gods of the deep they're kind of like the gray joys <laughs> yes uh, well okay now now you're gonna lose me because i don't i don't do i uh, i don't much as much these days but it's like hey the aquatic clan kind of like, yeah a little, little bit know, there's a little bit ancient and piratey at the same god time, of the seas like, no big deal but exactly so but in this case it's not a god of the seas that's going to come out and like crush you with tidal waves this is an age another horror uh, with tentacles coming off its face and giant claws and scary stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Super big fan of the design. And, uh, you know, everyone's already... T- some people are talking about some of the tech they're going to be bringing to the table with this. I know... Uh, what siege was it? Monastery... Monastery Siege, I think? The blue one? Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you know, draw two cards, discard one. Well, that's going to be a very easy consistent yeah. way for you to trigger that but there's a bunch of other spells that 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 functionally exactly. do the same thing uh probably gonna be pretty easy to flip this over probably it, it's a three mana you know three mana to start to get going so definitely mm. uh pretty pretty spicy Big so i think the interesting thing here and i, I i'm giving so much uh love to the kraken thing here and i, I think it's worth talking about because it matters to me uh but I, I would love to see some breakdowns of like Kraken anatomy in a way that because I was always uh, enamored by the fact that uh, Rexil, my 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 love, my dearest, that Runo is going to be going in. Rexil will always be in my deck. Like I love it. It's, mm-hmm. it's just the best. Rexil is a weird. I always found it strange that Rexil is like a weird gorilla Kraken. So it's it's not like your. It's not just a fish. It's got arms. It's it's more like your traditional Myalurk or something like that off um, uh, Fallout. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Play that. That's now, what talking about, Are of, we talking about Myra looks from three in New Vegas, or are we going to be talking uh, about the ones from four? What were the ones in four? They were different, weren't they? Well, they so I mean, granted, because we're talking about a huge visual overhaul going. Through that's true. That's four, true. Uh, Myra lurks kind of went from these kind of like dudes 
to actually being more crab-like until uh, you get to, like, the older versions where, like, the Mylar Kings are more, like, amphibious, like, frog dudes. Yeah, that's the Mylar true. Queen that's was, like, huge. I played Fallout 4 a lot. I'm not afraid to admit I'm, that. I'm actually, I, I think I think I think about Fallout 4 every two weeks and go, I could I could play this again. I, I could do it again, totally. Oh, Throw I a think few I new could. mods in. And it's got survival mode. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of like the Kings from 3 a little bit, which remind me of a lot of, like, 1960s, like, uh, creature from the Lagoon type yeah, thing, you know? Like, yeah. yeah it's, it's got that, like, vintage element. And then a little bit of, like, is it Davy Jones from um, like Pirates of the Caribbean? Like yeah, exactly, of, exactly. A bit yeah. of bit of a squid beard going on, but it, that's what always got me about you know. I thought a kraken had to be a massive, basically like related to a serpent or a leviathan, which they are. What, you, and, you're and talking this like is, a massive fish or something. I don't this know, is the other but, thing about these these giant sea creatures that take aspects from all these other ones. It's like yeah, it's easy enough to be like, oh, well, you just put a squid and throw some crab arms and legs on it and and like send it out, right? Yeah. But how does the te- how do the tentacles and the rest of the body function if it has crab arms? Because the yeah. crab arms have to have a shell. So does that mean it's uh it's it's a um has an exoskeletal uh like structure? But then how yeah. do the tentacles work in conjunction? with a body of a squid you know and and, um you know it gets a little you know you could sit there and kind of kind of theorize about it uh yeah but exactly it's it's, i i think what it's coming down to maybe is there's like there's um, there's multiple ways this can work you know like you look at shipbreaker kraken that's got more like big lobster pincers but it's got multiples there's some that just look like massive slugs they don't look like they got anything traumacratus is really funny it's just like a hydra Mm-hmm, yeah, thing. no arms. Uh, deep sea kraken's interesting. It's got little mandibles, I guess, or like I don't even know what you call them. Anyway, but it's like generally massive aquatic worms or something is is what I generally saw them as. And then it always like it's funny. Rexil was that artwork that I looked at the same for a year or two, and then only realized that the top part is not Rexil's head, like squid head thing. It's an mm-hmm. arm. Yeah, it's like oh, Rexil's like a humanoid. Which makes me think now, it's like there are probably some more of these Krakens that potentially, as Runo's gone to show us, Krakens can come in many forms. And are the more humanoid ones, were they were they originally, uh, what do you call it? Were they originally humans or something, like in a, in a weird way? Like there's a transformative aspect. Because you look at, yeah, Rexio's just a massive gorilla Kraken. Like squiddy arms, but arms no less. That's a hand. That's a, That's a face. I think Rexil and um, Runo's transformation are quite similar, which is which is kind of cool. I like it. So, you know, if I was going to be a Kraken, I'd kind of look like that, right? <laughs> You're like, if I had a choice, you know. I mean, yeah, exactly. And it's, for Crothus to get flying too, it's like, I mean, Island Walk and Swamp Walk like Rexil has maybe make a bit more sense, but whatever. I'm, I'm going to take my flying Kraken and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly with it basically and it's going to be great. So, yeah, that was a, just 100% like a win I saw a lot of people getting really excited because it was the commander that speaks to them, and I might still make it as a standalone thing, but I think most likely it's just going to fit in the in the in the deck, you know, um, in in my what is essentially like my Lovecraft deck anyway. So there's a lot of Eldritch Horror well, stuff they, going on. There, there you go. It, it, it fits in perfectly, and you probably yeah, exactly. have numerous ways to to make to trick oh, totally. to Runo to flip over. So yeah, like whether it be oh no doubt are, no doubt whether whether or not someone's like hypothesizing like oh, i'm gonna make this commander deck like 
there's a place for this card 100%. Oh, 100%. It's going to be yeah. showing up at commander tables. That's and and I find that exciting. I'm not I'm not lamenting that at all. Totally, totally. So we got a kraken, we got a slug, we got a frog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got a frog. Uh, we got, got Rolnock, the omnivore. We got Holana and Elena partners coming out. Yeah, which, yep. uh I I remember someone um I can't remember someone who said, like, who got really worried because they thought that they were going to be fused together horrifically somehow and, yeah. like, do the whole tragic, um, tragic lesbians kind of thing, which, like, thank God they didn't go with that. Like, these two are still alive and kicking, kicking ass. Uh, yeah. Really sweet ability, uh, having first strike and reach, good defensive, and then yeah. being able to put plus one counters on another creature and give it haste until end of turn like i was gonna say that the that it feels like the archer kind of mechanic a bit like um oh who was it in dominaria but yeah that that kind of thing but yeah no totally i'm 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 all for it rings oh you're thinking Uh, of uh halar right halar exactly yeah Uh, fire fletcher i think but uh halana and elena are it's a human ranger exactly um the card is exactly no, I absolutely dig it. No, I think I, I love the original, uh, the the ones we got in Command Legends too. Helena and Lena there were, were amazing as well. So, no, you're right. Uh, uh, oh I, I could go over, like, I could go over a hundred of these, like, one by one by one. There's, again, like you said, we got the frog, we got Grolnock uh, the Omnivore, which apparently is actually really good from some people doing <laughs> some playtesting, and I won't, I'm not going to say much on that, because uh, it's a Admittedly, it is a different, um, it is a slightly different Simic legend, uh, where... It gets crow counters. (laughs) You get crow counters whenever a frog attacks, you mill yourself, and then you can play lands and cast spells from among... Oh, yeah, it's like, seems memey, then it seems really good, and it's like, yeah. Uh, It's just, you know, it, it, it is, it is a bit of a different functionality than your typical green, blue lands matters whatever deck uh there's self mill in it i'm a big fan I'll, I'll probably not do anything with this but i know someone will other people will uh yeah. yeah previously mentioned exploit creatures i can't wait to see more of them um i think the fell stinger uh zombie scorpion oh with, yeah yeah uh exploit it's got death touch it has exploit when it exploits a creature Ooh, target it? player draws to and loses to Rachel was saying that's just like a mole drifter. That's great. It's like yeah, yeah. like it, uh, totally. you know, yeah, you kill, you kills itself. You bring it back later. Goes uh, to the zombie this, deck. Yeah, it'll have. And you know what? Uh, if you can chain uh, reanimation triggers with this thing, and you have enough creatures out, you can technically kill someone by by that ability because it's target player. Yeah, totally. Oh, exactly. The the sign in blood uh, method of style to uh, take someone out. Exactly. So I, I I I definitely think we're going to be seeing that quite a bit more often. Uh, yep. I and I don't know. Good. It seems great. Um, I think oh, we're going to see a lot of wedding. We're going to see a lot of wedding stuff kind of start to start to roll <sighs> well, out too. Because all right, the general... I think let's let's start talking about wedding ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Like, um, let's do it. So, so what is the a white card? Theme, it, the general theme of the set being, of course, the wedding and uh, the, the crimson vow. And do we know who's getting married yet? Or yeah, it, it is. It is Edgar and um, Olivia. Yes. Okay. So that that so, was what people were kind of predicting for a while, right? I I I made the snap judgment that it was going to be Soren, and then I'm like, Soren absolutely despises Olivia. There was absolutely no <laughs> way. There were some people who were like, uh, they did comparison photos of of young young man uh, Edgar Markov. 
and then comparison to his recent uh, image that was shown not that long ago, where he's this crusty old man. It's just like, Olivia's doing this on purpose, but like, you know, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To each their own. Um, But yeah, uh, Wedding Ring is going to be one of those seated cards in the collector packs and all this other stuff. That's true. Um, it is uh, it is a four mana artifact, double white and two. Uh, when Wedding Ring enters the battlefield, if it was cast, target opponent creates a token that's a copy of it. Whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring draws a card during your t- or during their turn, you draw a card. And whenever mm-hmm. an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring gains life during their turn, you gain that much life. Uh, the discussions already come up about people who are like, "All right, do not act like a creepy motherfucker when yes, you cast this do. card." Which goes without saying, don't act like a creepy motherfucker um, when you cast this card. If you are planning on proposing to your partner who plays Magic and they don't know anything about this, you might be able to pull it off. Um, I feel like people have been doing that on Reddit for years, right? Like, oh, they make the card yeah. And- <laughs> just, I mean, exactly. there, there was... um, Didn't Mark... Uh, not Mark Rosario, sorry. Didn't Richard Garfield do that with... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and, I mean, there's a whole other thing there. But, so, Wedding Ring, pretty interesting design. I'm actually interested to see what people come up with. Um, mm. I know some people are already kind of preemptively worried about the creepiness factor of some yeah, people yeah. playing this card. And then you have other guys like uh, Fitz, who was just blatantly like, I'm going to get married to everyone up in here. And I'm just like, <laughs> you got to love the the audacity of of saying something like that, because, you know, it's it's not even like being weird or creepy about it. He's just having a good time with it. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what people come up with if, you know, yeah. if they end up casting this card, because uh, gaining life not at like probably won't come up as often but drawing cards would definitely will um mm. so it's sort of like uh, sort of this sort of parasitic symbiosis where you're just kind of piggybacking off of someone and uh, exactly. there's probably a so, hundred there's probably like a hundred uh off base really bad uh wedding jokes about that that mm. i don't care to make so i'm gonna just leave that one it's um as a complete functional thing yeah complete baseline of course like i agree don't be a creepy motherfucker when you do this please like just be a civil person um but essentially the mechanic uh when you look at something that can uh create a dynamic in the game and create a uh you know not necessarily an ally all the time but like a, a symbiosis like you say is always something a design space i love looking into and a, and a synergy and, and buying a friend so to speak or you know like having a connection to someone because there was a favor happen you know it's a secret rendezvous thing i'm really excited to see it happen and and where the way this will kind of play out in game that you know white's getting some card draw as well you kind of it's it's not always about then i think i i'd love to see commander win a couple of like not necessarily deals are made, but, uh, you know, because I think they're even a small version of it, but sometimes, like, temporary allies are made. I love when that happens in a game, and then that can split and, and turn on itself. It's like, you know, later on, when it's 1v1, it's just me versus you then now. Uh, I kind of dig that stuff. So, the the one... I love cards that kind of play with that a little bit and, and you know, make friends and allies and then, you know, make enemies when they... they inevitably cast enter the infinite on the person with the wedding ring have you thought about that one 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's it's going to get pretty interesting for sure. Yeah, but, uh, it's like you can, you can just dome someone with that, which would be really funny. But um, uh, the, it makes me think of cards like, uh, is it Soar of Discord or Soar of Temptation? Um, uh, Soar, Soar of Discord. Where you, Discord, pair, it, you pair two players and whatever one is dealt I, the other I dealt love that card. And I, I play that in Krasikar because Krasikar has been very much like a political kind of messing around with combat and people uh, yeah. deck. And I, I enjoy it because it creates conversations. And Sorrow of Discord is, is a really interesting one that that does something that I did not see coming. That you you land a Sorrow of Discord. It's, it's six mana demon, six, six flying. When it enters, you choose two players. Whenever damage is dealt to one of the chosen players, the other chosen player also takes that much life. I never quite realized the effect this usually has is those two players band together. Yes. And, and it's and really interesting. The the thing is, is that um, like the, it's the tricky part of playing these sort of like weird niche, uh, I'd say political card because it is functionally a political oh, card. Definitely, you are, definitely. Whether that be... You hold someone ransom by targeting yourself as the one half by targeting another person Ooh. being like you. It's like and, a pariah and, and, and type it, situation. It's, or something. It's, yeah. it's blown up in my face uh, a couple times, but that's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, someone pointed that out to me, and I just you know I'm like that's actually a pretty neat perspective to have. Oh on yeah, that card. There, it's a bit of a mix and match one. You could completely blow two players out of the game if <laughs> you don't blatantly like show what you're going to be doing, um, and then you could also. You know, just be like, all right, I'm going down. You're coming down with me. And the other person's like, yeah, nope, exactly, we're working exactly. together. And you're like, all right, <laughs> you're <doing> cool. <laughs> we're working What's together. Smash Bros. You're going to do the DK grapple on Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or, uh, uh, or the Ganondorf-like dive <laughs> move where you you, lo- you grab someone and then launch yourselves down out of the stage. Just whew. Exactly. Yeah, stuff exactly. like that. So definitely, definitely going to be interesting to see what people come up with from a mechanical standpoint. Because piggybacking off of other people is always great and if you're a mono white mm. player uh this is just a boon really yeah this is great exactly. um but oh man i could go over a bunch more of these uh valor stance got reprinted and it's I, fancy new artwork. i'm glad you said that because it's a good card and yeah, it's a good card talk, we talked uh, about how much i love it because i uh i put it under a it's a really like vegetable card a lot of people go oh it's boring whatever it's like no you put that under a uh uh, what do you call it? An isochron scepter. Isochron you feel, scepter. You feel great. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. Um, you can you can destroy things, and you you can. Uh, what does it do? It also give you stuff indestructible. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, what are, or, or just nice. the whatever target the target is or whatever. But so so anyway. So uh, oh man, I think we're there's so many here. Uh, by invitation only is the new five mana board wipe. Uh, where choose a number between zero and oh. thirteen. Each player sacrifices that many creatures. That is absolutely that's cool. insane you get past indestructibility with that so i think we'll be seeing a lot more of that i uh, like it and, and again the um yeah. the, the obsession with the number 13 which is nice yep. so on nail on the head super fantastic uh torin's fist of the angels uh it's a human cleric that's selesnia and has training whenever this creature attacks mm. with another creature with greater power put a personal counter on this creature this turns out to be an opposite of um mentor so that's pretty interesting to see. Uh, oh, you, true, true. Yeah. Uh, whenever you cast a creature spell, create a 1 1 green and white human uh, human soldier creature token with training. It's just going to pump so, them out. So this this seems like uh, it can get out of control real fast. Some people are excited to see that. Uh, it's a slam dunking Katilda, uh, which is a it's a whole yeah, other story. Katilda's yeah. a, a deck I built, and like 
I don't know. I've actually, I haven't actually like it hasn't brought me the most joy to go back to it uh, because it's just you it's become humans, a massive right? target, and you just yeah. you just pump out stuff really aggressively, and it's like I don't know. Do you have an overrun or not? Basically, it's anyway. So I think it'd be good in it. I'll try, I'll try yeah. for sure. It's and and you know that'll be the deal breaker, right? Whether it works or not. Um, well, it's more just like whether I, I'm enjoying playing it or not because it's like I maybe I want something a bit more obtuse and like stranger design wise. But anyway, yeah, exactly. I uh, will say too yeah. on on the on the on the note quickly of Torrens that uh, I only just scrolled down to see the alternate. Um, I like how they do this now, and I think that we might see a bit more of this. I uh, hope they do it more often. The Dracula cards where they'll yeah. use a bit like they did with the kaiju ones. The What else do they do it with? They've done it a few times um, with basically cards that are still named essentially and functionally the original name of the card but have a different title line just based on a theme or something. So this one's like some of them are even non-legendary, which is weird. So like, Dra- oh, no. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Dracula Lord of Blood is non-legendary. Mm, strange. But, um, but, but that's what happens when you have numerous... Uh, yeah. versions of him functionally as oh that's true card. that's that's so, true because you got you got the planeswalker too as Soren. but like the like you say the torrens was dr john seward which is pretty cool so it's like uh you get these characters from dracula and it's, and you it's you a get lot of fun, Ab- so. abraham van helsing and yeah uh you have yeah like you said you have two different draculas uh i don't know i'm not a again not big on, uh, oh, neither. neither. I've got, Mina, I've got the Mina book Harper, and I've been, Sisters I've been meaning Dead. to read the book because it's like it's just a classic, and apparently I'm meant to read it, and which is good. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I think I, this probably gives me a bit of a reason to, to know who these characters are. But yeah, there's 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 a bunch of uh, I, I consider yeah pretty fantastic alternate artwork, uh, and and having uh, sort of this wink wink nudge nudge here's Dracula uh, themed. Yeah, skins yeah. for the cards like it's the skins exactly i i have always liked the skin mechanic too and that like people are talking about like the that's probably the, the coolest way to do uh you know like the the most satisfying way to do something like a walking dead or whatever but yeah. they didn't of course but uh anyway. and, and i mean they're 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 probably going to continuously do both uh hand in hand where appropriate and i just hope yeah. that they do lean more this direction because i just i just I like don't it. care and I think I, I, also, like, with just a handful of cards, just as, like, a little side thing, it doesn't have to be the whole set or anything. It's just a few cards that have this, which is nice. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I, I, I got I got 100 more of these to talk about. We got Angie, Maid of Dishonor, <laughs> Cemetery Protector, Maniform Hellkite, which makes other dragons love it, uh, Drolf, Geralt, uh, Visionary Stitcher. I've seen a lot of people like Geralt a lot. Like, yeah. Good, uh, I, I know some people are comparing... Um, they're comparing this version with his commander where is it 2014 i remember the one yeah yeah the the and, the, the teferi deck and 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 some people are saying that the original version is functionally better or how oh he gets so he's worse than his sister and all this other stuff and it's like uh this it's one fine. just straight up just says do zombies get flying and then you can stack a zero whatever and make a big yeah. like a a big zombie like I don't know. I I like this card. I'm a big fan Me too. of it. And it's mono um, blue. I think that's going to hit different in a really cool way. I like the idea of mono It, blue it makes me want to play the blue Stitcher cards from previous sets because I've always mm. wanted to do um, Stitcher... Oh, what is it? Uh, it was from the original. The massive one? Yeah, it's like a 5-6. There's a 5-6 one um, that's blue where you have to... If, it, if you cast it... Uh, 
you need to exile three creature cards as part of the cost. Um, mm. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to I'm trying to find it. It's uh, Scab Oblip. No, Scab Ruinator. Uh, three mana, five six with flying is the additional cost to cast Scab Ruinator. Exile three creature cards from your graveyard. You may cast Scab Ruinator from your graveyard. I absolutely adore Ooh, the blues. Cool. I adore the blue zombies, and I really want to make a mono blue deck with them as part of it. Uh, Scab Goliath, Scab Grenader, mm. um, the other ones I can't really think of off the top of my head right now. Um, there were other ones that were printed later. That's like the, if you the have blue ones. Are, yeah, the blue ones always hit different because they are more that scab kind of style, being like you know hooks his hands and, it's, and wings it's and stitched. And, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's different it. enough. It seems really cool. Uh, I think Garolf, this Garolf as the the commander of those ones will be really cool. So. Uh, We'll see what definitely. happens. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, uh, Cemetery Protector, where you get to make humans if you play a, a a card that shares a card type that it exiles when it enters. It has flash. Like this, this is like a super sweet card. I know. Yeah, exactly. Get some bonus out of it. That seems great. The one uh, I love, um, Kristen said uh, about wedding announcement. I don't know how good the card is. It's okay. It's like humans, one ones, whatever. Um, yeah. But more, more importantly, the couple getting the wedding, uh, the wedding invitation. Invita- it's yeah. basically the. Win- it's funny. There is an invitation card, but there's like the wedding announcement, and they're reading it. So these, this vampire couple, uh, Kristen was saying, it's like this is just legit. Don and Betty uh, from um, from Mad Men. I don't know if you've watched Mad Men, but it's one of my favorite shows of all time about advertising in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. I don't, and think, it's, I, um, I don't think I have. But uh, so Don is is uh, John Hamm, and uh, yeah, you see, you see, this is John Hamm in vampire form for sort for sure, and uh, yeah, it's a good one. But um, yeah, no, the, well, the hits keep coming basically. And it's like, and we're how far how far through preview season are we? We're like halfway through. Anyway, I think so. so. Well, well, hold yeah. on. I think we just started last. We just started last week. Uh, so we've probably got what another week or so. Yeah, uh, and so. then release is in two weeks. I think pre pre release from loading running run is this Friday, I believe. Oh dang! So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're 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 getting pretty close. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's oh, there's so many to talk about that exactly. we're not even and, here. And and we can, we can touch on them later anyway. Especially, I always love the you know a couple of weeks in what's making the decks that kind of thing because it's yeah. usually those surprises. I'm always keen to see again. Like Kristen will do an article usually about what's what's great in the you know the you know bit leaning towards the type of stuff you're looking at too. The common and uncommon slot. You know the like I remember she was most excited about like the in the what was the the midnight hunt it was like the one to white uh flash three one that is basically oh yeah yeah you sacrifice like for one yeah destroy an artifact or enchantment love it i i run that in a lot a lot of stuff now because it's fantastic it's basically your functional rico sage kind of in a way like it's it's great but and it's a, and it. it's a sack trigger if if you're in that kind exactly. of deck. so there is some multiple there's some multiple functionality in it and it's a three one too like and if you need yeah. to smack someone uh for whatever reason like this is 
Oh, it can fight. It's a exactly. function. It's a function. It's a, like a perfectly functional good card. Like that's it. Exactly. And it's hey, it's a flash trigger if you're playing Chromium uh, Slitherwisp Flash. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good one there. Uh, but that that's a whole nother story. But yeah, no, we've, there's plenty here. There's there's so much fun stuff uh, as always. Um, and I think this one at the at the kind of broad overview, I'm I'm even more excited than I was maybe Midnight Hunt. Um, yeah, I did, I'm fine. I agree. Like I do. Yeah. I don't get me wrong. There's some cool stuff. I'm definitely a bigger fan of yeah. this one exactly and i don't think midnight hunt did anything with like the dracula things or whatever i think this one they're really uh i, I feel like midnight hunt was the entree and like well, it's the it's the... the vampire set i mean if they didn't yeah. do it like they it'd be a while before they had another opportunity i know right exactly so yeah it is it is what it is and, and um it's gonna be a good time so look out for that in the next couple of weeks but um what what i was going to talk to you about on the spooky subject uh, mm. was um how did your i forgot to ask you how your uh spooky stream went for halloween oh uh yeah um so uh previously mentioned phil aka junehawk uh a buddy of mine was like we're gonna do a commander stream for for halloween i'm like okay yeah cool and all of us were like oh yeah sure no problem um i had been building a um a flip deck with um let me just yank the deck box out because it's jaren it's jaren uh it's uh yeah it's jaren corrupted bishop with the other side being ormondal the corrupter hell Um, yeah and and uh the other choices were going to be uh Doran the Siege Tower as sort of like a animated living trees kind of deck. Um pretty cool, pretty cool. There was Ghoul Collar Gisa, and then there was I feel really bad now. I ha- I just looked Oh, it's uh it's uh Lind, the 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 curses lady. Oh yeah, yeah. That just came out. So uh it happened this Friday. I think Phil still has the VOD up and I'll I'll see if he can do something with it or I'll maybe if I can download it or whatever and put it up somewhere. But uh two games, uh four hours, and the first one was three. Um Yeah, that happens. That happens. And it happens, <laughs> and you know what? It was actually not a horrible slog. Like it was actually really fun. Um there there weren't a whole lot of viewers, but we were all having a good time uh yeah. hanging out and uh yeah, like it was just uh it was a good it was a good fun time. I didn't get to flip Jaren, but <laughs> that was my I big had, question. <laughs> I had a decent setup of the board. Like there was like I I had a I had a few creatures that came out over the course of the game that uh you know, demanded a measure of respect and uh mm-hmm. there was some cool interesting interactions between cards and uh we got a few minor rules things mixed up here and there, but uh when yeah, it was exactly. a it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of my deck, so I think I'm going to be keeping this around for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, good, cool. like, good, love it. good, good time. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to be working on that 13 life criteria, and then we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like we'll be getting more cards for it too, which is nice. But um, yeah. yeah, um, it, it, I think all that touches on a point too. Uh, like I said, with um, uncommon commanders as a focus that you've really enjoyed and kind of honed in on and, and celebrated more than anything. But like also, it when it comes down to it, in a way, it's 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 building for accessibility, which is great because you know the and and to give. I believe most cards have a home somewhere. I love that. It's like my mission of my collection. I just want to. That's why I build so much because like I've got a stack of cards that aren't a deck. Let's make them into a deck. Like we'll we'll get creative with it basically uh but 
the uncommon commanders often lend themselves to being uh, brewing with the restrictions and how much fun that can be. Like we said before, it's, it's you know, restrictions breed creativity, that kind of thing. Um, that was what I was going to ask you as well. Like it's it's basically, of course, Jaren's not an uncommon commander. But no, it's, it has a, it's the, a myth. He's a mythic. It has a mythic, but it has the same energy, it has the same, uh, what do you call it, uh, ethos around it, that it's it's not the easy path. It's the, yeah, it's the fun path. Yeah, it's you're you're constantly hurting yourself just circumstantially it's not yeah uh and you re- and like if you really want to hit that second um that second ability to flip him over to ormondal to really start getting like an engine going or however you want to look at it really yeah. difficult because you got to go from 40 to 13 and you might miss the mark if someone hits you the wrong way or you miss you you don't sequence things the right way which <laughs> i've done where i was like i thought i was able to hit the 13 by having jaren come out and have the the exact amount of mana to flip him over but the problem was was that i'd actually net gained one life as i put him into play <laughs> um so i ended up being stuck at 14 and then being like shoot my follow up is either putting myself to 13 and not have enough mana to flip it or do something else. So I was just like, well, that's a learning thing. Like that's a learning curve. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting mechanically to take the sort of unsung or oddball legends and and mm-hmm. make commanders out of it. And and so this I guess is the other thing too that has not come up yet for the podcast because I'm I'm only uh, twenty episodes in as of today. Mm. Uh, and I got another episode coming out this Friday. But the other half of my my podcast title is the unconventional EDH podcast. And the other yeah. goal, the other goal is to eventually start talking about the other oddball types of commanders that are not uh, uncommon. Because uh, whether it be from a statistics pan- standpoint, if you look at like uh, EDH rec, like, mm. how often does this legend get played? And, you know, yeah, there could yeah. be some, there could be some trad, you know, oh, this card is garbage. It's never going to have more than like maybe 200, 200 decks registered. I, I love when someone says that because it's the biggest invite for me to go. Oh, right. exactly. <laughs> I just, um, I just want to make it. And, <laughs> and, and the prime example before I took the deck apart to use as part of a shell for the Jaren deck was my Athemia the Cacophony deck yeah nice um which to anyone who doesn't know it is a one mana one black two one heart zombie harpy i think or a harpy horror or whatever it is a heart yeah yeah it's a harpy um uh at the beginning of your end step you may exile a enchantment from your graveyard and if you do you make a two two zombie creature token and that's it that's the condition Mm -hmm. um I had the deck together for probably the better part of like two years since it came out, uh, mm. or how whenever um, uh, whenever Theros Beyond Death. Came that was out. the start of start of last year, I guess. Yeah. I was it late? No, it was I more think than so. Because I was twenty so, twenty. Yeah. No, it was so. twenty. It was two thousand. It was twenty nineteen. I think. I might be Theros was, or maybe it was the end of it. Yeah. I don't. Know. I don't uh, so anyway, oh no no <laughs> twenty twenty yeah far ahead. Oh right, wow goes, okay. I it guess goes I, to sh- goes I was to still playing. Long... I was still playing it in public, which I guess that mm. was kind of around when the pandemic was still going. Yeah, it was January though, so you got a few months there okay. anyway. Um, so I made the deck and I put in all. I put in curses right away. Like that was something I wanted to do. Oh yeah, and um, 
I put in some zombie tribal stuff. Uh, uh, Risen. I think it's Risen Executioner uh, is the card I'm thinking of. I might want to Risen. Again, the one that looks like a Dark Souls uh, enemy. Yeah, well, again, another Dark Souls <laughs> uh, style of card. It's a, so It's a fat so official, Risen, basically. Yeah. Risen Executioner was a really sweet addition because, one, mm. no one's going to play this card. I've never seen it at a commander table very often. The other thing is that you can cast it from your graveyard if you pay one more to cast it for each other creature card in your graveyard. But since I'm running more enchantments than creatures and I'm trying to make tokens, uh, heading that four mana value and recasting it again super easy to do Ooh, nice. um so that was a super sweet addition and it was just like uh, i put in every oddball enchantment that you could possibly think of and the deck worked. <laughs> it was fun people were like i'm i'm gonna blow up your femia and i'm like yeah you got it no problem like it, it was just super super I, deep I, I i said this the other day i love when you play a card that you're like this is super low value and low threat like perceivably low threat to people that they i think they'll think twice having to waste a really premium removal spell on it in, in their minds kind of thing and that's like the ultimate goal so if you you find people going the one yesterday was like we've got to get rid of that colossus of acros i'm like yeah, yeah that's yeah, right you, you do. yeah and exactly like, <laughs> yeah you do it's like we've done it or one was like i was playing bird tribal it's like soul catches airy we've got to get rid of that crappy soul in chat like that that bird enchantment i'm like yeah we've 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 done it so we made a bet like you know a, a card that i i was wondering about whether it even makes the deck into something that people have to remove and i was like yeah that's that's perfect like it's the ultimate um what do you call it? It's the ultimate promotion. And Ephemia is totally that because I've heard that being said. It's like, oh, crap, you never play this commander. I love when people say that because I'm like, oh, you couldn't be more wrong. You can make anything work. <laughs> and, and, and and this is sort of because um, commander is so broad as a format. Yeah. And and then, like again, I do agree with the, the idea that like we really can't separate it. There cannot be a CEDH and an EDH split off. No, like, like most things, scope, we, we, everything's a scale. Too big. It's the, yeah, the scale yeah. is way too big, and and it's uh, three dimensional or four dimensional, like in a way too. Like it's exactly like the, the, yeah, the avenues are completely different. So, um, the when you say this this commander is this legend is better than this one, why are you playing this one? It's like because uh. people pick and choose what they like. It's completely out of their hands. It doesn't matter if it's if it doesn't function as well or. The same it could have better way. art, exactly. It could, or, yeah. it could be, as I always say, it could be the card you got on your honeymoon or something in Italy, which is totally just, why I play, you know, every, I play every, some cards. Like. Emotional attachment sometimes weighs out the exactly the like. How does this fun- work work functionally? You know, it's just like yeah. and form. It's form over function, effectively. That's that's what people want sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Then, I, I think it's it's more when it insinuates that like that's the objectively best way to play. You know, it's like oh, it's the way you play. The way someone approaches magic must be the analog to way the the the, the same kind of criteria in which the other person judges cards. And there's something really a little bit like presumptuous about that. Though often I I you know I bounce off because and we we've we've had plenty of times with guests we joke we joke about it because it all goes back to Coach Davy saying like people bagging him for for running wanderer's twig and it's like it's a twig like it's yeah. cool like it's a freaking twig like uh, I mean, I, i'm i'm running it i don't care what you say like you, you like here's a here's another kind of alternative look at it is that you look at um you look at hermit druid uh you look at Nathan, yeah. who who who's someone who 
is he's he's very much on the CEDH and high power side of things. Oh yeah, but yeah. he also has this focus on Karuga, which yeah. is <laughs> it's it's the most like bonkers like association with like you, this. It's like yes, this dude is all aboard on Karuga. He will yep. also stomp you flat with Karuga. Like yep. the and and there's no real rhyme or reason why he chooses to focus on that and that's like that's on him right like that's his card that's the thing the that one he, that speaks to exactly he has a like, he has sort of a, a brand about and it's like you know you got to respect it you can't say it's yeah. bad right no so. exactly exactly um skeleton ship became my thing you know it's just like there's there's heaps better things to do but i just i i was determined i wanted to make it a thing it's great so no exactly yeah play i've said it a hundred times before play the cards that make you happy and and make them work and there's i think commander is is broad enough to we can be in the spaces where bad cards can work absolutely um and and if they don't immediately it's it's about diving a bit deeper in commander anyway and that's the best fun to me anyway it's not that's not i know i understand like not everyone loves brewing that's also like very you know yeah i mean it's a it's the multi-part process especially when it comes to commander the multi-part process of build a deck play the deck play that deck with three other people yeah exactly uh and and i i see the important part i think you touched on it before but reiterate like it's a it's an evolving thing i i find it hard to put deck lists up because they change too much or like i'm just like i'll rip out a card put something new in i've seen different people attack it different ways which is really good and and, and awesome i'm always interested to hear how people are brewing decks which is great like um Kristen did an article about uh the and i'm really excited to talk to her about it but the um the commander mood board which is mm-hmm. i was like oh no one's talked about this but it's kind of what i do which is like there's just cards everywhere on my desk i mean there's there's a bit of order and you know to the chaos but they're in piles and then often they're they are general themes of like pockets of themes to then kind of converge together and she's saying she'll make a a deck based on a bunch of different mood board pillars and then almost draft from them to make the deck. So you're doing it. It is that physical way of making a deck, which talks to me so much. I don't, I, I can't, I've never made a deck just online. And I, I know that's, that works so much better for people. And that's cool. Um, I, it's I, just and, not my style. And, um, you know, depending on, I mean, we'll we'll go back into the financial side of things again too, but, you know, not everyone can just drop uh, a, a casual arbitrary amount of money on a deck and then realize yep. that it just sucks and yes, it, or exactly. it, they don't mesh with it so like that's where the online theory crafting really does come in people are like oh well then uh if i'm gonna play on spell table i'll use obs or whatever to hook up my digital play mat to the game so i can try this deck out before i fully commit to this 100 200 300 purchase oh that was that's a great point that i've um we played uh if you, did you play gabe when he was doing that yeah uh gabe that, i've played with that worked with really gabe. well it was that, uh i was i it was something i'd never really considered but then also neither to me that obs uh sort of as this digital uh camera camera yeah yeah thing. like you can layer it however which way you want you can position the camera wherever you want uh really really cool function and gabe's used the most of it of being like yeah i don't know about this deck yet let's just try it out and 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 see how it works out and i'm like yeah that's like that's i have no complaints about that whatsoever if you need to figure out if it's going to work for you or not and 
uh, and you know that doesn't work for everyone. Some people like spending like thousands of dollars on magic cards and then just like ping ponging <laughs> between builds just because like it's just you know everyone from different walks of life plays this game. It's just how it works. Yeah, that's that's another good case for like printing the card out and just try, trying it that that kind of thing too. At which point you might be like, well, if I've got this nice looking proxy, I mean, well, even if it's printed, I might make a make a nice looking proxy or like well why do i need to buy the card in the first place if it's it's xyz but that's a whole nother thing isn't it exactly yeah, that is. um but the, generally the point i was trying to get to like i i gather with you uh maybe like me a, a little bit too like it's the it's the originality and it's the the kind of uh the quest for for looking through the unknown and there's always something that's the beauty of magic there is always something more over the horizon coming out maybe or in the past, like from 25,000 plus cards or whatever, there's always some hidden gems somewhere. I mean, I would, find, perf- personally, I would prefer not to look that far back because then I go, oh, <laughs> oh, what exactly. is that card? <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it, it, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like that's, that's got to be at the heart of it. The, the why, you know, and apart from friends, all that and connection, but like why this game keeps being exciting to you, you know, like it's, it's, it's the looking at things alternatively. I mean, busting out, uh, it's one thing to bust out uh, already a pretty invisible card from a recent set, but when you grab a card from five years ago that people completely glanced over and you play it, and people yep. were like, what the heck is that? Like, that's always a fun, that's always a fun time. Yeah, exactly. I do say it's my favorite response in the game. Um, that just made me think of, and, and this is why it's fun to talk about this stuff, because it's like, the, your mind goes in so many different avenues, but it's like, oh yeah, I gotta finish that Ulush to deck, because I love Ulush. Like, it's that's a cool one, like totally the, the type of thing why don't you play this this in in gruel but like no ulosh just looks cool it's like a weird hate seed thing and then everyone's like what is that <laughs> totally it's it's just the best response ever it's like what is that card like can i have a read of it and it's like here you go it's like exactly it's 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 amazing so in in any case um we better get into some uh we better get into some some profile questions uh before oh, I, yeah. I keep it I guess way it's, too long. It's, I think we're, we're at prime hour now. <laughs> yeah, we're hitting about 2 hours, so I guess maybe we should we should talk about that. I think that that's generally the good good time to kind of pivot and um you know get into that because I've I've dived in I've got enough of your uh the the psyche of, of what makes you you in uh, in commander and now it's about what makes you you in life and all that stuff because there's there's thousands of different influences we can all go through and and uh and, and just have fun and, and everyone's interesting is is generally my premise for this this section of course so um you all know where it, where it starts off from we we basically ask uh, our lovely guests the most important question of uh of, of what makes you a human and and you know <laughs> and what kind of uh defines you uh pineapple on pizza what's the deal cole absolutely not get that a thing off Ah, Chesh is not here, but he Chesh is like not here. Sharon. He has more of a reason than I do for disliking it. I just don't like it. Yeah, um, that's fine. That's great. Uh, that's great. I would have. I. I in my head, uh, for the last few months, I've been like, "Am I gonna just do this whole over-the-top performance of how I despise pineapple nah. and you're all a bunch <laughs> of degenerates?" And no, I just—it's not for me. I don't like pineapple as a fruit and i don't like pineapple on pizza at all and uh it's that's just it <laughs> no that's awesome and and it's like it's been a while since we've had a hard nose so um that's perfect so um yeah it does not evoke pictures of tropical sunsets and uh drinking pina coladas and you know um, yeah, i i would literally have mushrooms on my pizza and i don't really like mushrooms either so yeah 
I, mm. I I definitely find mushrooms a bit more of a taboo choice around here, which um you know oh. you can have you can go the you can go the supreme if you you know it's probably all the things you hate then so <laughs> yeah it's, it's just like, like oh the horrible abomination of a pizza it kind of you? It kind of is it's like there's after four flavors I don't think anyone's picking up any different notes so before they can I guess, just throw anything like man that. where do where do I talk about like okay since we're on the topic of pizza it's like I've had <laughs> potato on pizza which actually oh, is I, not. Bad. That's actually one of my favorite pizzas. It's Pota- not a common potato and rosemary. Com- yeah, not a common thing. Potato and rosemary is amazing in BC. Um, Interesting. Uh, what else? Um, I've had taco pizza, which a, a bit of an odd choice, but you know, you get your ground beef, uh, you get lettuce and tomato, and you know whatever you would want to put on okay, a okay a, a taco with like a bit of ranch uh, dressing on top. Really odd. Not that bad. Kind of refreshing. I've seen the cheeseburger pizza for the same kind of deal, yeah. which is like, you, it's, it's about recreating that flavor profile. Of, and, of a, you know, some people yeah. would say, why would you, why would you ever do that to a pizza or why wouldn't you just have a burger? And it's just like, <laughs> why not give pizza, it a go? <laughs> pizzas are just kind of a playground. You kind of just do whatever the heck you want. They're kind of just a place you eat. <laughs> yeah. It's just throw it up on, put some cheese on it, put some sauce on it, put it on some bread, thin crust or not, and just have it, you know? go to town exactly i love it um yeah no the good answers and i think uh or good answer but um yeah no it's it's i meant to put these in a spreadsheet at some stage and, and see where <laughs> the, the greater community stacks up it'd be very funny but it's, pro- um, it's from the, from my feel of it it feel like pineapple on pizza is more of a positive than a than a, yet more of a yes than a no but i might generally be yeah or like i'm not too fast kind of thing so yeah, yeah exactly somewhere in the middle awesome. you know Love it. Um, this one I don't know. Cole, what is your pet card in Magic: The Gathering? Uh, oh boy, do I got? A, I got a few actually. Well, chuck I, do me have a, I, I have a primary one, so I'll start with that. Ooh, uh, go for it. I like Seed Guide Ash from Laurel. Me too. What yeah, card. good. And they're card. hard to find too because Laurel. Uh, I've well, not only that. Like I swear, I have more than four copies in my yeah. collection. On and off, in and out of decks, depending on, like, the need. When you start hitting uh, triple or even quadruple color and you have... Uh, I don't... Uh, I have Shocklands and a few of the other ones that have subtypes, but mm. I'm a big fan of cracking uh, Seed Guide Ash, uh, like, throwing it into combat, sacrificing it, whatever you need, getting yeah. your three multicolored forests and just kind of continuing on the game. Oh. It's like, really... I'm <laughs> a big, fixed. big fan of it, so... Yeah, it's is. it's it's a solid unit of five mana four four that when it put into a graveyard from play, search a life of three forest cards and put it in the play tapped. It's perfect. Yeah. What kind what what wouldn't you want out of a tree folk? I mean get your get your triomes, get your uh, murmuring bosks, because that's a forest. Um yeah. stuff like that. Um but that's that's primary. I, I got a I got a few other ones. Um Team or Ascendancy. Uh, oh, nice! I'm this, a... Is that the spirit one? No. Oh no, t- no, the hasty <laughs> one. Sorry. Yes, the hasty one. Whenever a creature with power four inches under your control, you draw a card. Uh, that's pretty much everything mm. about my personal playstyle in Magic. All kind of bundled <laughs> up in one. Uh, and it's also the three my one of my favorite like three color combinations by far yeah. of putting blue, red, and green together. Um, and then just being able to draw cards from playing big creatures is just the the, the cherry. Yeah. Um, Hard agree. 
And then the last two, uh, I like Desecrated Tomb, the three mana artifact that makes bad creature tokens. <laughs> Me too. I uh, just haven't found the place to play it yet. There's uh, <laughs> uh, that card is in Quintorius and, and a few other and uh, my oh true deck. true true because um, stuff is going to be constantly shuffling in and out of that deck. I just like no having the extra security and I just like the functionality of the card. Um, and then I love Dreamscape Artists. Oh, uh, this one is the ramp piece, more or less, in uh, in mono blue, right? Yeah. So, uh, you, it's a two mana spell, spell shaper. shaper. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you you tap it, and I think it's three mana. You sacrifice a land and discard a card to look for two lands and put them into play untapped under your control, and then shuffle your library. Uh, this card. Uh, I play a lot in any sort of like mono blue, mono blue decks. Uh, this thing is going to be going into Runo Stromkirk because mm, uh, you want the ability. Like sometimes you just don't even care. The discarded card is now just an extension of your hand in the graveyard, so you've effectively lost nothing. Um, and it's just I don't know. It's it, it again. It ramp it land ramps you in blue, and I like doing sort of green things in other colors so this, mm, this card is definitely sweet. i think um, this one was always one i looked at and go oh it's okay whatever and i saw a few people playing like oh no this is totally what you need to do especially if you care about the discard um yeah you, you're getting a harrow effect you're getting you know repeatable ramp essentially like you are trading cards for it but in a deck that cares about those in the bin it's fantastic it's great also I've, the, the yeah. flavor text have you seen that uh you know what <laughs> I'm, it's I, a crime. I, it is a crime. I, I need to go. All right. Well, now I've, I'm showing it's, my ass. It's, it's 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 like full dad level ninety nine uh, pun level. It's uh he's mastered the art of sleight of land. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've I've read it a few times, and I I don't think I appreciate as much as, uh, as other people. Um, but every oh, no, time someone the... reminds me about it, I always get a chuckle out of it. Ah, uh, geez, that's a good one. No, I love it. I um I I, I might even try my hand at altering this one too because I've got a few lying around I, I love altering uncommons because they don't they don't it wouldn't matter if i just tore them up i don't care so if i stuff it up which i mean it's I'm, it's gotten reprinted i think once or tw- i think it's just once because it's from eternal masters yeah um, uh yeah In and UMA, and time think, yeah. uh and the, the 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 time new time shift that the new stuff, time one time spiral remaster, time yeah. yes time spiral yeah so it you know you have multiple copies of it you can get any yeah, any version that that suits your needs. Yeah, sorry, um, old uh, old old planar chaos is the one. Yeah, probably. Not. I don't. I don't think time so. Oh no, maybe it is time so. I'll remaster. No, you're right. It is that as well. My bad. A lot, a lot of a lot of random stuff got printed in Time Spiral Remastered that I didn't even realize. Like, yeah, it's time to go back. Like while we're still kind of hyped up about Crimson Vow, where you're kind of just like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. Just take a few I, minutes, go back, look at some old sets. I am considering just getting another box just to hoard for that set because we still have them pr- pretty cheap here in Australia, actually. Like, a lot of stores had that initial burst and then sold out and then they the prices ramped up and then everyone's like, There's, this is a limited print run. Um, and it was it's the foil the foil old borders that people chase because there's, like, one a box or something. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's few this, and far in between. There's just so much crazy stuff as far as uh, just nice uncommons, commons, whatever, that I've been slotting in the decks, that kind of thing. Just weirdness. I love it. That's why I love that set. But um, yeah, I can still pick one up. I think a box for like 220 or 40 uh, Australian. 
which yeah, is that's, like that's pretty that's well below what the card kingdom and all that like say is the average price in the states which is interesting so maybe just before yeah i think modern horizons i'd love to be it's but people are like it's an unlimited print run so you always get it that's fine um, i mean i mean i if if i could buy a box for i mean it's i think it would be roughly the equivalent of like 225 canadian dollars over here i mean yeah yeah i'd, I was gonna I'd say. buy a box and sit on that for a while I was going to say what the CCO guys always say. It's like, oh, that's about $950 Canadian. <laughs> yeah, like, just like, feel the same, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, love it. Love it. No, that's that's super cool. Um, next one was, who would you most like to have dinner or a drink with, dead or alive, real or fictional? Um, yeah, okay. This is going to kind of coincide with the music suggestion later. Ayo. Um, so there's this guy called Brett Audrey. Who's uh who's mu- his typical musical performance? His name goes by Blue Stolly. Okay. Um, he uh, he's a bit of a mix and mash of a few different genres. Uh, he's recently done sort of like the sort of glitchy cyberpunky kind of stuff. He's done '80s synthwave and pop. Uh, he's done sort of like heavy, like he's it's uh, industrial. I think it's like industrial. Uh, rock and industrial metal, depending on his mood. Uh, Interesting. Bit of just kind of an odd dude in general. If you if you end up checking his videos out on YouTube where he asks questions, he's just a uh, very interesting, cool dude. And I think I'd I'd like to have a drink with him at some point. Amazing. So how do you, how do you spell the name or the uh, the actual like? Uh, uh, okay, there? so let's just do blue Stolly. So blue, like the color. Yep. Uh, and the second word is Stolly. S T A H L I. A H L Y. Ah, got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Interesting. So electronic rock, industrial music, D and B. Nice. Nice. So right, yeah. I guess. I guess. I guess. Sort of the other one is uh, Matt Mercer. Uh, the voice actor, uh, DM of, of, of Critical Role. Uh, yeah. Seems like a chill dude. Love it. I've been meaning to check that out uh, actually ever since you mentioned it a few times that it's like this is like the kind of the beacon too, right? Like of, of like, uh, what do you call it? D&D content? Yeah. Uh, I guess, well, I mean, because I, I, I'm not a, I, I don't play D&D or tabletop a whole lot, which is a little mm. s- uh, sad. But when it comes to, uh, if you, it, what, okay, I guess if, um, if Game Nights is the sort of quote-unquote peak produced entertainment of yep. Magic, yep. I would say Critical Role is almost the equivalent of that. But the problem is it's less staged and more authentic i guess like mm. they are performers and and you you know uh not everyone might like that style of of D presentation but it's one of the reasons why a lot of people got into D in the first place in the last few years and it's just like you can't uh you can't fault that it's a good thing no exactly and i think yeah to, to you know uh such content is such a good uh onboarding that kind of thing and it's where you know people you know, like anything, people complain about stuff, whatever. Oh, why All is, the you know, time. <laughs> oh, it's the it's it's awful. But you look at who Command Zone are getting on, you know, for for uh, for games, that kind of thing, and it's like in in no short way, I think, you know, also influenced by the people that they have access to, and and also Wizards are kind of backing it as well, realizing that's such an important onboarding for people and going, 
wow, the, you, normalizing the fact that I, I remember even growing up going, oh, magic's a really nerdy thing to do. Like, wait, yeah, I, who am I kidding? We're well, I mean, I, th- I used to think <laughs> that doing, I didn't exactly understand what Dungeons and Dragons was. Yeah, but yeah. I was also in the same group of like, well, why would you do that? Despite the fact yeah, that I was in in a weird way, like theater. society kind of makes us do that. Even though I was a massive nerd and I always have been. And it's like, why would I think that that's like a, a weirder step forward than playing a video game and, and normalizing that completely to go, look at all these people that play this. Like it's, it's amazing. And, and magic's been that and, and D&D has been huge for people the last couple of years going, why haven't I always played this? This is like this is such a great. I wish I had that extra few years before I graduated high school to to play it. Like, yeah, it was. It's. I uh, think it, it would have made me a better person too, because it's little things like you're improving. You're you're kind of you're working as a team. Sometimes it's like mm-hmm. it is a place of belonging. It is a really special place, and it's. Um, yeah, I feel like I've literally only done D and D for you know on and off for like six months, almost a year, and it's like that's. I wish I had that in high school or something. <laughs> it would be great. So, yeah. Ah, nice one. Uh, next one was, what's your video game Hall of Fame call? Oh, boy. Here's the list. Um, let's get into it. All right. Let's, let's get into it. I'll, I'll just kind of share the, the, the list, and then we can probably go into some of yeah. them. Um, I was someone who was, uh, a, wasn't part of a privileged family growing up, so my my parents didn't buy uh, my brother and I the the fancy new consoles mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. I only had access to a Game Boy Advance probably for the better part of my childhood until I think I was a, mm. te- a teenager. And then I got a, a DS, and then that was sort of the step up. And then we got a Wii and then a 360, and then eventually all this other stuff. And now I'm the proud owner of, with my girlfriend, two PS4s, uh, Xbox hey. One, uh, a Switch... Two different computers that are completely capable of playing video games and uh, other arbitrary stuff like that. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, Wii U, a couple Wii's, uh, stuff like that. So anyway. I'll, I'll have all uh, the consoles, please. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of kind of Game Boy games kind of come up on this list or just like older, older stuff. Um, so we got Mega Man Battle Network 3. Nice. Which was a handheld game. Uh, Mega Man Zero Two. Uh, Pokemon Silver. Uh, the Game Boy mm. Advance version of Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. Yeah, that um, was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, Golden yeah. Sun: The Lost Age. Oh, memories. That was a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, and then, yeah. and then we kind of started bumping up a little bit. Uh, Tales of Symphonia. Yeah. Ooh. Uh Persona 5 Royal Edition. Uh Near Automata, both DMC Devil May Cry 3 and 5. And yep. uh Divinity Original Sin 2. Oh, oh, hard agree. <laughs> hard good game. Good that, literally game. only in the last six months I played that and I'm like, it's oh, this so, is this is uh, a delight. My, you can lose yourself in this one. My uh my girlfriend and I played 80 combined hours of the xbox uh one version oh yeah yep uh we played the shit out of that last year and uh we need Mm. to play that again on the computer probably modded a little bit and uh uh if you actually delete the 
uh, classic folder, you lose 20 gigabytes, but you increase the functionality of the game. Like, it runs and loads a lot Wild. smoother. Uh, I learned <laughs> I that, that tip from a friend of mine, so I'm super thankful for that. We're going to do that again at some point. Uh, Cave Story, yeah, uh, nice. which, which was originally handheld on the Wii. Uh, a little sort of indie throwback to old platformers of of the old age. Uh, mm. Katana Zero, which what is a super sweet, uh, again, like sort of 16-bit uh, platformer hack and slap. I don't know how to describe <laughs> I it. I saw it and I was like, I just, I just thought of Rod last week. I'm like, that's a Devolver game, surely. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, super, super good game. Slap and soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Anyone can play it. It's got a like a time slowdown, and then it repeats your level as you complete it. So that was super sweet. Uh, oh, and then the last one uh, from uh, Super Giant Games, who recently made uh, Hades uh, mm. Transistor. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. nice. Uh, so that's uh, there's probably a hundred thousand more games I could put on that list, but that's pretty much <laughs> my personal kind of hall of fame of games that I think are like fantastic. Oh, and then I guess Tales of Arise. Also yeah, so one. you uh, that's that's actually that's perfect because I was going to ask you about that. I I don't know a huge amount about the Tales series, but I gather you've kind of indulged in a few. I so um yeah, Tales was actually a really big part of my life growing up. Interesting. Um, the so the Game Boy Advance has a lot of games on it, and one of those games is Tales of Fantasia, which is a yeah. horrible port. Uh, version of the very first Tales game that was made back, I think, during the early 90s or late late 80s, I think. And it was originally mm-hmm. on the, the NES. Um, the NES game looks absolutely nothing like what the characters look like. It's actually really funny. Um, <laughs> but the Game, Boy Advance, uh, the Game Boy Advance version was one I had first. Uh, I played hundreds of hours on that thing. I was enamored with the combat system and like the premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that opened the doors to the other the other versions of the future games that uh, the the horrible Symphonia sequel that came out on the Wii, which I also played hundreds of hours on, um, <laughs> which was also fine because like I I just I being able to play uh, all these like considerably garbage games on subpar systems makes me appreciate them even more, even though like they're narrative garbage or whatever the heck you want to call it right uh and, and then a lot of nice about just playing what you have too and it's, yeah it's and a, it's a funny yeah. analog isn't it some people you know some people will raise eyebrows when i bring some of these up but because uh tales of symphonia down the new world was my second tales game it allowed me to go back and play symphonia uh a friend gave me their gamecube copy and i played it on my mm. wii and i was like oh dang that's what i've been missing this whole time like, <laughs> exactly. um so uh i guess uh i would recommend most people to go back and play one of the older ones if they're capable of doing that because mm-hmm. you if you play some of the more recent ones the um uh the years of being able to sort of clean things up and smooth things out will kind of sour your experience going back because, like, it feels clunky yeah, in comparison. Yeah. Um, but, like, story-wise, that, uh, like, Symphonia holds up and uh, Abyss and Vesperia also hold up. 
and Vesperia recent... was the one I was looking at actually because yeah. um, I so I played I've only literally played one Tales game and it was a, a, a weird anomaly too. Uh, it was I find it I found it for five dollars at a Kmart and it became a game I played probably hundreds of hours of uh, on PSP no less. It was Tales of Eternia. <laughs> yeah, was, like I I missed out it, on it that was one, cool. But... Yeah, it's like yeah as far as i know a lot of people didn't get to play it because it was like it's just a psp game and it was as far as i know as well all the the universe is tied together kind of right like the tales whole thing but mm-hmm. they're different characters as far as i know I uh know. no well you, or they're just more stylistically the if you if kind you of- if you lean back far enough you kind of see some character archetypes that are sprinkled throughout each of the games so like there's ah, always gotcha. a, a functional slash spiritual successor to this the character archetype yeah but, gotcha. um when you do kind of start looking at each character and also like the damage that they're bringing to the table because all these characters have terribly tragic backstories um yeah. you kind of do realize that like a lot of these characters stand out um from previous games so there's some holdovers like it is like a, a the tales of is the over branching yeah, uh, yeah. Thing holding it together, but when you do break it down, like each game stands out on its own. Like there's oh, different nice, versions nice. of war crimes going on. Um, there's some MacGuffin that needs to be found. There's some <laughs> sword that does some like physically reality breaking broken shit that shouldn't be doing. Like uh, there's yeah, some which is I mean that extends to most video games, right? Yeah, so, um, like, most most action RPGs like we've got to get the thing. Yeah, exactly. So so uh, yeah, I'd, if you can get grab Vesperia because um, mm-hmm. it recently had the definitive edition come out in the last few years, I'd definitely say grab that. Uh, grab Tales of Berseria because that's also a good yep, yep. Uh, recent one. Um, is the, is the side scrolling uh, kind of uh, what do you call it? The side scrolly. Oh, uh, it's a- called the, the linear motion battle system. Oh, so it's, is that a trademark of the? That's what they it's. Did. It's a it's a combination of letters and words that that are kind of silly, and they change it every time. It's it's one of those yeah. silly sort of Japanese game developer isms that you hear yes, about. Yes, um, which make which doesn't make any sense to us. Like it's whenever they use English words. For titles that like the titles just become gibberish and you kind of chuckle a bit um yeah. but they it had they have a philosophy for how they develop their games and it, although it's silly to us uh it does there's a function and a reason for it yeah um, so at, at the heart of it are they all generally like they are a uh you know actual action rpg not turn-based like yeah, actual yeah you can move they around, are which you you all- you have choice um the older games you do you do directional inputs on your thumbstick or whatever yeah. up down left right plus a button and the, it changes uh the art is what they call them the art of yeah, yeah. what you're using so your special attack changes depending on the direction uh the older games were really uh combo heavy be- just because of the nature mm-hmm. of the game uh the more recent ones you are a little strapped for resources so you can't really just like break the game um mm. but they do it in different ways so the old ones have their niche and the newer ones are more kind of actiony kind of akin to like devil may cry and dark souls depending on uh, what you're yeah, doing yeah to- totally totally uh which is uh tales of rise was the recent one that i just played and 
they changed the formula in a refreshing way, and I think it's really accessible. So nice. there's that too. Nice. We'll be definitely checking them out. So uh, love it. That was that was an amazing uh, Hall of Fame, Cole. And it's like that was like because that's that's the way I see things too. It's like oh, but they're all my favorite children, so therefore my full Hall of Fame probably has about ten. So because they all have impacts in different ways. But exactly, um, yeah. yeah. Like that's delightful. Like the so if I would say like what impacts, I I want to go over these a little more because like some of these are <laughs> near and dear to my heart. I can't just skip yeah. over them. So. Spoilers to anyone who pl- who has not played the Mega Man Battle Network games and probably never mm. will. Um, in the first Mega Man Battle Network game, which came out in 2001, and it's this reimagining of Mega Man as a digital network environment rather than robotics. So mm. internet, uh, it's actually kind of a bit of a scary look at our current year where <laughs> there's this obscene level of internet connectivity of networks between appliances and the internet. Um, internet of things if you will yeah Um, so the main characters are Lan and his partner Mega Man who's this little sort of digital avatar AI that accompanies him as he goes through his humble 10 year old year of school like he's he's 10 (laughs) like these are kids right they're gonna go save the world (laughs) in the first game Mega Man gets rocked so hard that he's just straight up going to die and um the little twist at the very end of the game is that um, he, uh, Lan's dad is a scientist, and then it turns as it turns out, Lan is actually the surviving twin, um, where the other twin hat was born with a heart condition and died. And what the mm-hmm. dad w- did was take five percent of that DNA and made a program with it, and it, it was compatible with Mega Man. And as Dang. it turns out, that Mega Man is essentially the digitally reanimated version of his dead brother. Um, which w- And so he installs the program, fully brings the functionality of Mega Man to the forefront, which also means that his deceased dead brother is now fully conscious of his relation. Hmm. Um, and that broke my little boy heart oh. when I played that game the first time. Fast forward to Mega Man Battle Network 3. Once again, the kids are saving the world. Um, and this time, Lan had digitally put his mind into the network. And the trade-off being that when he synchronizes with his brother-slash-digital friend, they are 100% synchronized, meaning that they both feel the same damage and that they're both is a risk of death. Mm. Um, and so, as they're escaping from this collapsing network, uh, they get captured by the entity that they thought they had fully destroyed. And, um, like, the kids are dead, like, this is happening right now. And so what Mega Man does is give this heartfelt speech as both brother and partner and uses the last of his energy to shoot Lan out of the network, back into his real human body, and effectively die. And, uh... I have a younger brother, um, mm. so when it came to this game, and, and it's, you know, a lot of people might find it pretty simple and, and lighthearted, and there's no real danger, and and, and uh, sometimes characters' deaths don't stick, and sometimes they do, so it's a bit of a, yeah, yeah. a thing, but when I finished that game and didn't know uh, if there were other games coming out, or I even had access to them, or didn't know what the heck was going on, uh my heart broke i got really like i'm like god what if that was like my brother 
Um, so I, uh, that's one of the reasons why that game like has stuck around for so long is sort of like top 10 game of all time for me personally, even though like most people wouldn't think about it twice because it's stuck on a Game Boy, you know? Yeah. I um, also like, it's not the game I thought it was, which is like, you look at it like, oh, this is more like probably more akin to like a Pokemon adventure type thing. Yeah. Like, like it's a card yeah. battler thing. You construct a deck, you, you pick up to five and away you go and there's a bunch of restrictions and all this other there's stuff like seven, there's like seven of them there's uh technically six there's six mainline games there's a few spin-offs and then there's a spiritual successor called Mega Man star force and yeah. it follows kind of a similar thing but it's 3d and on the ds and uh kind of similar stuff yeah, also exactly. deals with like parental death and and disease depression isolation mm. um in, in in way that like when games surprise you they do that you think it's like you say you could look on the surface as like a a more childish kind of adventure and you like you get a game that like kind of does that to like earthbound was always that to me it's like yeah it's got some themes like and I then you get that. yeah you get to it later and you're like whoa oh it's heavy, different as a heavy, as heavy <laughs> stuff man it's 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 different um love it and then i mean i don't know uh if anyone's played a um a Yoko Taro game, you know how near Automata works. Oh, did you um, did you did you just listen to our episode last week or something? Like I was, have not. Rod is, I need, I need I to go back and listen to it. <laughs> it's uh, a long one. Rod loves okay, Yoko cool. Taro. Whatever, I got time. <laughs> Rod loves Yoko Taro so much, and it's um yeah, it's it's what was it? So near Automata, and then mm-hmm. he was talking about Inscription, the card game. Yes. recently. I need loves to go. That. I need to go play that one because that sounds like I don't know anything about it. Uh, but it sounds yeah. really cool. Oh, amazing. And then we'll, we'll talk about what makes games special that are card-based. What is it about these rectangles that we love, the the randomness, the deck building, whatever. Literally, like an hour later, he goes, wow, there's, okay, so there's this game now. It's a Yoko Taro deck builder thing. <laughs> it's like, okay. I didn't know he was in on it. That's, okay, now I need to go play this game. So, basically. but it's, that's that's not inscription though. He oh. said that's amazing. But um, Voice of Cards, the... Is it the Isle, Isle Dragon Roars is the game? So check that one out. So okay. pretty wild. All right. Voice of cool. Cards looks like the Yoko Taro way. Put, so I've I've, I've got my ho- I've got some Yoko Taro homework to do because I need to play mm. Neo Automata and I need to play this this card game now. Play that and also because it just got uh, the updated version. Uh, near, uh, not Gestalt. Near Replicant. Replicant, yeah, one point nice. twenty two something something. Some I get the one that looks like it, the one looks like an update. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, name yeah. Or like, something. yeah. Like it is, it is a uh, from what I understand, a proper like ground up, up uh, like remake. And oh, nice. Uh, I played from a bit a... of it. Uh, I know a little bit about some spoilery stuff about that, but uh, that's also another game that's going to rip your heart out of your chest because just some of the themes and stuff. So that's that's also just fantastic series um Wonderful. yeah tail so yeah tails mega man um uh, uh devil may cry three and five are probably yep. some of the best yep. like crazy over the top uh action uh quote-unquote character action games with if you have the finger dexterity to at least do half of the stylish stuff that that happens in those games like Go for it. You're going to have a blast. The characters are bombastic and over the top. The soundtracks are killer. Um, mm. 
yeah, I don't know. Just uh, they've always been good times. I always love the stylish presentation of them, so that's why I got into them a long time before I even had a console that could play them. So mm. super great. Um, uh, I mean, heck, we could talk about Divinity Original Sin two forever. Um, <laughs> which I mean, if you want sort of a loose introduction to sort of D and D, except in an automated. I, I was going to say that. It does a really good job of that, doesn't it? It has a really, like, open system. I kind of cheated on my first playthrough with my girlfriend because I wanted something that was functional, but something that also spoke to me. Like, I didn't want to just cram a bunch of abilities in one character and hoped it worked. Um, But I I made this sort of sword and board ice paladin, frost paladin kind of build. Um... I could throw shields and I can hit people with swords and and do kind of yeah. like area control stuff. Uh, kind of functionally boring, but like I had a lot of fun playing it because like you start, um, it really kind of makes you consider how you want to play your turns out and yeah yeah um, exactly. and the damage. It's was kind of a strategy roof. game. Like, yeah, I find yeah. that game a total totally a strategy game. It's like a weird RTS or something, or like a sorry turn based strategy. Yeah, but, yeah, and but, and. Uh, that might not be everyone's jam, but I think yeah. there's also some like really top tier writing. Uh, and oh, hundred percent. And there's, there's like humor in it as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like the whoever's doing the voiceover does a fantastic job, whether it's a serious situation or like the most goofiest thing. Uh, yeah. It's open ended, where you could feasibly kill like every character, living thing in that game, and just be a complete murder hobo and it kind of that that feeds into your experience and your narrative you build with it too i remember that first part like i I was i remember saying when i started playing it i felt like i think i was on the the initial like tutorial quote-unquote island Mm -hmm. i mean i guess the ship is the tutorial but for 20 hours or something and it's like there's so there's so much hidden stuff it's yeah totally and it's like the the what was it there's the the lady said oh well i mean if we break out of here i'll meet you at the tavern there and i'm like oh awesome i'll look forward to that and then the massive battle broke broke out and she got caught in a crossfire yeah and I it's like, just like and i was like whoops. no uh, <laughs> and I, it's like is the is the game gonna be like no you needed her it's like no nope, she's just gone like yeah, it's like oh the, the, that would continue now she- cut off and you you continue the main line story. totally and, I was going uh, to say too your, your point about um uh creating the character. I think that game does really well to go to guide you if you want to choose a templated character. It's it's beyond that. You actually get their whole storyline and everything, and that's really a, a really yeah, great way to play it. I you know, like you can play as Fane, which is pretty nuts. But I like, made I made the mistake of just making some generic character. I probably should have chosen the human the the yeah if uh, guy. if on uh yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever yeah like i the, I, the I realized that like an a, a huge part of the story just disappeared because i didn't do that and my girlfriend also didn't do that um and having the extra voiced character and yes their motivations and all this other stuff like come up yeah i missed out and that's something i'm looking forward to on the second run just to make sure that i don't yeah. miss out i don't and know especially who I'm the characters choose. Yeah. yeah, the characters you don't pursue or whatever without being spoilery or whatever. But like that's 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 a great point that uh you end up living vicariously through them anyway. You become mm-hmm. you, you take on their motivations, you wanna know what the Red Prince does, you wanna know what, you know, Fane does or whatever and, and where their stories take them. And that's the funny thing. You create you then create the the quote unquote uh 
character creator guy. <laughs> you know, the ones. Yeah, the, the generic, big, the, boring, I, I'm just here, man. Uh, exactly. Which, great character creator, a lot of fun, but it's like oh, the big bird yeah. in the boardroom. Like this, and it's and, like, I, I don't belong here, I'm just generic. And, and it makes actually your character seem, even though you can make up like uh, motivations and things in your head, or like uh, there's a couple of pre-scripted things about where you come yeah. from and everything, but it, it's it's, not it as seems impactful. really... Yeah, it seems really blank compared to how well like uh, written all the storylines are for each of the characters. And and this is um, so this is the other thing. And I'm gonna tangent back into D and D for a second here. And this is sort of the thing. And, and I guess also JRPGs, like some of the games that I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So when you get a tabletop replicator like Divinity or Baldur's Gate, or your your game of choice. Uh, yeah. I haven't played a whole lot. Um, there is a finite amount of what you can explore, because the game can only hold so much programming-wise. Mm. Um, and, and granted, let's not kid ourselves. It's all br- Most of the time, it's brilliant writing, and you feel like you're really experiencing it and all this other stuff. So you're like, this is great, right? Mm. Um, you go look at a game like a Japanese RPG where you are on a linear course start to finish um, with a little bit of wiggle room of what you're able to do in the meantime, but you are a character who's nondescript or has a motivation that is completely independent from your personal views Mm. and you play your game. um, And, but it's, you're still playing the role of a written character but you are merely a spectator while everyone else is. You are driving the plot. Everyone else is acting that. Mm. Um, and then you go look at your pen and paper tabletop RPG where you're able to make your character that on the surface is just some generic dude. But by giving your backstory and a few extra tools to the person who's going to be leading and guiding you and your other friends through a game... Um, you start getting surprised by what your DM or GM or whoever they're called, the storyteller, is bringing to the table because they took... Yeah, totally. They took your little bead of information that you gave them and they're like, okay, well, how much are you going to invest into this? Are you going to put yeah. a one-page spread? Are you going to write a novel? Or are you going to literally <laughs> just be like, uh, I don't know, I came from this town and this is my background and that's it, right? And then you, they go, okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to ruin your life now. And you're like, wait, Grizzle what? war veteran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you, you kind of just like, eh, whatever, who knows, whatever comes up, right? Some people who do, um, they don't do a module, like, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember any off the top of my head. Uh, a Curse of Strahd, let's say. That's for yeah, Halloween yeah, and Inner Strahd and all that. Um, your backstory probably won't come up as often unless someone does sort of a homebrew story that takes your characters into account. And then it's like, oh, wait, yeah, so this dude shows up looking for you because he's part of your old gang because you're a criminal. You're like, mm. oh, hey, dude, I didn't write as part of my backstory, but now you're here. And now I have to interact with you. And yeah. and, and so you write it together in a way. Yeah, and, then, and so you have this back and forth with the functional writer of your of your game experience and your collaborative story and it's like that there's you know that is the kind of the third spectrum of like playing these types of games where Mm. um there there's there's uh there's room for all of it right 
this is the experience you're never going to get out of a video game. There's an experience in a video game you're never going to be able to get in pen and paper. And whether that's presentation, theater of the mind, whatever you want to look at. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. And it's like, yeah, it, it becomes much greater than, you know, whatever actually you, you're seeing visually, you know, like Divi- oh, Divinity. Sorry, looks- excuse me. Uh, I'm about oh, okay. to be sniped in the head by a Nerf dart. <laughs> excuse me. Oh, jeez. Ooh, that was really close. Anyway, so anyway, um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what happens. It happens. So yeah, that's uh, that's my perspective on RPGs of various kinds. And uh, thank you for coming to my TED talk. And do not snipe me <laughs> in the back of my head. You're not a, you're not here to take me out like a freaking assassin. Get out of here. Yeah, I know what's I what the it. guns for. <laughs> uh, it's what the guns for. Perfect, perfect. Well, I mean, uh, recommend us an album. Ooh, okay. Uh, so yeah, go back to the Blue Stolly thing. I got two of his albums to recommend. One, uh, he goes by a different name um, when he does this. Uh, shoot. I gotta... It's... Uh, okay, I'll do with the first one, though. So I'm gonna recommend Devil, or it's The Devil by Blue Stolly. The Devil. Nice. Um, it's, uh, I think it's about 12 or 13 tracks. Um, it's industrial, uh, heavy vocals, heavy metal riffs, um, pretty, I wouldn't say like morbidly dark subject matter, but it's a pretty good blend of different genres kind of together in one album. Um, so I would highly recommend that one. I'm a big fan. Uh, and let me look up. Pop. This one features guest appearances from Australian musician Emma Anzai of Sick Puppies. Nice. Yeah. So that that was um, that was something. Uh, and then this other one, uh, he goes by the alias Sunset Neon. Um, cool. And that's just the uh, the album Starlight, uh, which is pretty much like eighties like synthwave. Sweet. Uh, Pretty relaxing in general, nothing like something that's going to get you kind of stepping around, jamming out to it. Uh, I think it has a few remixes of some of its tracks, but a uh, big fan of that one if you're kind of winding down or kind of being a little more upbeat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, nothing quite like the uh, the synthwave aesthetic as well. Um, love oh, yeah. Things. Gotta love the neon lights and the, the different kind of pinks and, and kind of bright hues. Someone uh, says power metal bit with more synth. Perfect. Yeah, like, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that sounds so, amazing. That sounds amazing. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's got some recent albums that came out in the last year. He like threw out three albums uh, late last year to the beginning of this year. So Quartz, Copper, and Obsidian, I guess, are kind of the last ones I'll mention. Nice one. Sweet. Uh, next one was favorite magic art. Yeah, a piece of piece of painting or something that uh, yeah. brings you the most. So joy. we did talk about this for the other hour and a half uh, that we chatted after <laughs> my podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, Drogskull Captain uh, by Peter Morbacher. Mm. Uh, that you know, kind of a bit of uh, innocuous kind of tribal uh, card f- uh, from the original set, but. Man, there's so much going on in that artwork that I'm a big fan of. Um, the red cape kind of being mm. silhouetted by sort of like the fading blue of the other spirits uh, in the background. Uh, the the kind of intense imagery of this skeletal captain 
uh like with two swords and uh i don't know it's just i, I don't know this is visually stunning i'm an absolute huge fan of this card it's and basically fine. it's fine from um from divinity yeah exactly it was, if fame was and, a pirate you, yeah you take on that oh that um isn't that like a little dlc dlc or something you um take on that pirate and you get all the pirate outfit which is yeah really you sweet. uh you, like that and several of the other armors over time and you can upgrade them and yeah. all this other stuff but yeah like yeah fame doing the pirate route instead of the mage route you know exactly. um i guess just peter Morbacher's artwork in general uh, throughout Magic's history, uh, I'm a big fan of from the same set, Blood Gift Demon. Mm. Uh, just, just, I also just love the card too. Uh, I, I love me some five mana demons that get to draw me some cards. But like, uh, it's uh, you sort of have these like leathery wings that are kind of piecemeal and the holes in them, and he's he's got all these luxurious spikes and, and holding this chalice that could be filled with blood and who knows what else, but, um, what a really, really great detail in that artwork. Yeah. So I, I just get a lot of, I think I said, I said this before, like it's, it, there's a lot of drama to it and it's mm-hmm. something, it the reminds the- me of Renee. Yeah. Theatrical for sure. Yeah. Theatrical reminds me a lot of, uh, like Rembrandt or something. Like, it's just like, there's this, it's a, it's about light and light and dark and about shadow, shadows probably more than anything. And mm-hmm. like the real dramatic use of shadows that it's like, there's actually so many tones of shadows. Like there's yeah, so it, many it, sh- shades of, 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 of black that you can sh- like hide little details in, but it ultimately makes it, you know, really, really again, dramatic. I think that's, it's, it's not it, all. It's just, it, you feel it. Yeah. You feel it's very 3d and real. There's no flatness or um, it's not like a mural or, or like a glass pane in a window or something like you feel the depth of the yeah. image. Yeah, exactly. So Rembrandt's from Dutch. Yeah. Dutch painting, like Dutch masters like there. That's the that's a style I absolutely adore. And it's there's something there's also there's always like a sadness to it. <laughs> like it's like the way to look at it. It's not. It's you know even blood gift demon's really funny because like there's actually almost like a grin on his face or whatever. Um, but there's yeah it's yeah it's the squint the squint of his uh, left eye uh, that like it's kind of hidden in shadow, but you kind of see like the the slight different curvature of his mouth as you can tell he's kind of addressing this cult. Like uh, the, yeah, there's exactly. there's character there's definitely like character in this in this demon. Exactly. I feel like Peter Morbacher might be one of the the most underrated artists in Magic. Then, um, for like not not the name you hear a lot, you know, as far as like great the the great arts or whatever. But then you you look at things. Farika's actually always one I've adored. Yeah, Farika. There's I, a lot. Like, there's even a lot going on in in that artwork too. Uh, and especially for such a card that like doesn't people kind of looked at upon mechanically because of the whole card and make a one of my snake. favorite gods because of that it's like i want to uh, make this work. but it's like great. the the i would say kind of like there's kind of three maybe arguably two different tones that are heavily used throughout the whole uh art piece mm. and i would just straight up and say it's brown and green and and he yeah. makes it all work uh like the seeing the nyx kind of flow over different sections of her body the golden sort of snakes and and her uh 
her urns on her hip and her crown of like her headpiece and all this other stuff. Like it's just yeah, it's that's really right. Good. There was that other point I made about especially the um the the drug skull captain. It it's and it, I, I see it in another a few other pieces of art too. But it reminds me of the way. Uh, and again, I'm not an Avengers person or anything um, much, and I don't know too much about it. But I did see uh, Ragnarok, and even in the trailer, I believe there's that great scene, very much lightened yeah. up in this this suspended kind of animation. It goes really um, slow mo. I can't remember because I remember uh, the footage was. Rec- in like an absurdly high frame rate i think if it was yeah I think they did, that's right i think it was like um i think it was done at like 60 or 120 like they bumped it up so much which gives it that really sort of surrealistic look because it's so slowed down um mm. and it's really dramatic but like minute movements and the flicker of light and lightning that's going on in the background and uh yeah like yeah. super fantastic shot like really good it's 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 just epic like there's just it's it's the the work of god's fighting like that's what it feels like and that's that's where peter morbacker gets that absolutely nailed so um uh, recommend us a movie call all right here's a few more movies um i'm not a big <laughs> movie buff uh you know i'm not going to recommend anyone movies that probably haven't already been recommended for like uh, like movie aficionados and and film mm-hmm. students. Uh, no recommendations of watching like um, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna recommend a few different ones that are kind of my personal favorites that I've had Go for, for years. Uh, Titan AE uh, is an animated film from sometime during like the early 2000s. Um, it's made by um don bluth and it was one of his last films before he had to pretty much permanently retire from filmmaking uh it's not a really great film either um but it's really fun um it's kind of goofy it's about you know humanity's last stand about making a new planet there's drew barrymore um and a few other popular names as voice actors in this, but it's you know it it serves a purpose. It does it does, it's pretty good in my opinion. Nice, nice. Um, Don Bluth did uh, Land Before Time. Yes, and All Dogs Go to all Heaven. The, ah, yeah, classics. classics. So so yeah. it, it's sort of like this hybrid two D three D, with a three D being the set pieces that they're functioning on. And I think it does a pretty good job. But it was sort of a a last ditch effort that unfortunately kind of blew up in everyone's yeah. faces and had production issues and all this other stuff. But uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I, I um, vaguely remember it. Yeah. Uh, one of the more recent, uh, films, battle angel, Alita, um, or Alita battle angel. Sorry. Um, the James Cameron movie that came oh. out, I think two or three years ago now. Um, again, big block, uh, blockbuster Hollywood movie done about a Japanese franchise. Uh, I think it did a really good job sort of as a, a, a compilation of the first big arc of the Battle Angel Alita manga. And uh, mm. I just think it's stylistically like really cool. Um, it cuts a few corners, but like what movie doesn't do that? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm just a really big fan of it. Um, again, like science fiction punk kind of, kind of movie that, uh, I just, I just think it's just really well done. Ooh, Christoph uh, Waltz is in it. Big yeah, fan. yeah. Uh, I Robot. 
Yeah, classic, classic. Uh, just if you haven't seen that, just make an effort to. It's just, it's um, good sci-fi flick. It's it's, it's uh, Will Smith doing Will Smith things, and uh, again, just like I, a, another dark look at her future, but like one that ultimately comes out more positive. And I think it's just a really well done movie, and it was uh, filmed up here in uh, in DC. Always enjoy a uh, a good sci-fi musing about AI, like it's yeah. you know. And, and what is kind of, you know, what is sentence and all that stuff. And that's like, what are, what are AI rights and that kind of thing. They're always an interesting one. They get into the, the great arguments of it that we will probably be facing in the future. Yeah. Um, Dread, the 2014 version. I don't know the comics. Oh, sorry. It was 2000, uh, it was 2012. Um, it's got, uh, who's the actor? Who's the main actor? Carl Urban as Dr- Judge Dread. Uh, just oh, uh, as in New Zealand, Carl Urban from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Um, legend. Uh, just uh, another gritty cyberpunk, dark look at our future with guns blazing and and judge, jury, and executioner all wrapped up in one. And it's just um, oh, I did it, see this. Yeah, yeah. It's got fun. it's got some really good like action set pieces. It's really stylistically cool. It's grungy. It's gritty. The mm. ending, the very ending part of the movie, um, like, I don't, it's, it's stunning to kind of, to kind of see that, uh, unfold. So just, uh, really good movie in my opinion, but I'm again, not much of a movie buff and don't take my word as gospel. Uh, no, I, th- I, th- I think they're great choices. I love it. Uh, finally, uh, and this is one I do need to rewatch because of how many people are in it, and it's also just incredibly stylistically odd movie. Uh, a Scanner Darkly from 2006. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Keanu Reeves, Renata Ryder, just like wow, a plus a plus cast. Really interesting um, isometric. Uh, kind of comic book style. Like, there's a lot Dang. going on in this movie. Kind of cell shaded I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like, but it's like a filter, I guess. Is that it's kinda it's kind of weird. This weird filter, but it's also like the this um rotoscoping style of mm. of look to it. Like, yeah, it, there's again a lot going on. Uh, I know it's kind of a bit of a cult classic. And I do yeah. need to rewatch it because I watched it like years ago when I was a kid, but it left an impression on me because it's so stylistically different. Like there's just a lot going on in it. So yeah, definitely worth watching. I'm gonna be rewatching it some point in the future. And uh, yeah, yeah, pretty wild. Like, I've, I've I've only ever known the name of it, and I never knew that's what the kind of movie was about. I was like, whoa, that, well, that uh, looks well, right up my alley for sure. Yeah. So, it, I mean, the cast is just shocking. I'm like, who? Robert Downey yeah. Jr. and Keanu Reeves and, 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 you know, it just goes on. Such such a gutsy, creative kind of move to um, that style and everything. So, yeah, Woody Harrelson as well. Yeah, I'm very keen to watch this, actually. Yeah, love it. So, yeah, that's it. Nice one, dude. <laughs> love it. Um, you're going to love the next one. Favorite Pokemon. Okay, you guys need to stop this Gen 1 Pokemon stuff because. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I mean, throw us one I don't know then. All right. <laughs> Generation, I, know, I, know, I know I like Gen 3. Generation 7, Turtonator. Oh, Turtonator. Is, is it a turtle with a uh, a cannon strapped to its shell? No, we've got one of them. Turtonator we do got one is. of them. This is not a Blastoise. This is Turtonator. Um, T U R T O N. A-T-O. What do you? Yeah. What 
uh, have, you, you know what a Mata Mata uh, turtle is, right? Uh, one of the angry ones. That, I mean, that, one of that the angry have, ones? No, this well, I mean, that a, looks like a stegosaurus or a something. A snoot, a snoot nose, a goofy grin. Um, they're kind of got these like spiky appendages oh, on their face. I've never seen that creature in my uh, life. Oh man, amazing. this thing is so, <laughs> so, so. We're in Australia. We've got some crazy creatures. This thing's that's like an axolotl turtle. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, oh so, uh, so yeah, Turtonator was a big, I was a big fan when that thing got spoiled because I played Pokemon for a few years. Just a spiky ass turtle. Uh, it's, it's a amazing. fire, it's a fire dragon type. Oh, um, so I was I like, would totally select this. So yeah, so the minute I was like, oh, Dragon type sick, I'm in, right? Uh, and it's uh, <laughs> it's got like a shell burst move, and it does all this other stuff. I don't know. It's just a really cool Pokemon. I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I needed, yeah, I knew I, I needed the aesthetic. To, I knew I needed to come on and talk about something that was not from Generation One or Two because I heard Gengar and and Snorlax and Snorlax. How how would Snorlax taste too many times? So I was just like, I need to yes. change up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, Turnator is so cool. It's like a little, little like uh, a weird nose thing too, and like the star on the chest. And people, just, people were calling it Discount Bowser uh, for the <laughs> longest time. So uh, that was sort of a joke that was going that's, around. It's perfect, but kind of huggable at the same time. Yeah, it's it's just it's a little it's a goofy it's a goofy turtle dragon thing that shoots fire and it. explodes, and it's just like all right, I'm in. Let's let this seems good. That is amazing. So, what's the what's the latest uh, the Nintendo Switch uh, Pokemon game? The the big one. The, um. Uh, oh, geez. So the last main one was Sword and Shield. Um, yep. I haven't played it because I think it's an absolute travesty uh, for numerous <laughs> reasons. They cut out fair, so fair. much uh, visually. Uh, it's really not pushing the limits of I. I think it it shouldn't be pushing the limits of the game without compromising like quality, and I just think that they just shot themselves in the foot for more mm. money later. Um, there's the Diamond and Pearl remakes that are coming out. Um, I think this month in November or in December, I can't remember off the top of my head. And then, oh, nice! That, that looks solid. Yeah. Uh, it's and people have their complaints about that. I don't care either way. I'm not sure. I'm not completely sold on getting it just because it's a yeah. top top to bottom remake. Um and then there is uh Pokemon Legends Arceus which is sort of like they're starting to expand uh, uh what you can do in that game a little bit. Um Ooh. you're able to be hit by Pokemon as the trainer. So Wild. you might actually get KO'd with your full team like not even <laughs> out. So that'll be pretty interesting. Um, it's kind of sort of Breath of the Wild-esque, um, which, uh, the problem is, is that it's still pretty barren, um, and there might be some performance issues, so we'll see. It's the only little criticism sometimes in, in a game that feels like it's so expansive to the nth degree that sometimes it feels like, and that's the whole thing, like, the video games often, like, uh, shrink down the scale to feel like there's more around you, like, say, Assassin's Creed built you know mm-hmm. florence and and it's a small version of florence so they have a lot there but of course it's a dense city it's a bad example but like it, it's the type of thing that they're building a a whole realm and it's like there's gonna be areas that feel really just barren, barren. there's yeah. nothing there yet like it's exactly uh, and and that's the thing that people are pointing out 
Because, yeah. like, we're still looking at pre-release uh, material, and obviously they're fine-tuning things, and they have to... Um, they have to make sure that the system can handle most of the things happening on the screen at the same time. And it's just that they yeah. haven't quite hit um, a good balance yet, like, of optimization. Because the Switch mm. is not a powerful piece of hardware, and there's going to be lag and all this other stuff. No, exactly. Um, that, looks, that looks pretty amazing, yeah. But, but it's obviously not going to be Breath of the Wild, and no. uh, there should there shouldn't be that expectation for it. So... We'll see what happens. I'm actually a little bit excited about it, which is, it's the first time I've been excited for a Pokemon game since, mm. uh, I want to say, the Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire remakes for the, yeah, the 3DS. Yeah, yeah. Like, that that was probably the last time I was really excited, and I guess maybe Sun and Moon, just for changing a few things up. Um, but that's, yeah, so that's Pokemon. Uh, with, a new, with a new face, a newer face as part of a... I love it. Here. I, I I want a plushie of that spiky turtle. That's perfect. Great. Um, and to round it all out, you know how this goes. But uh, Cole, in just a few words, what does magic mean to you? Um, I feel I don't want to end up stepping on some other people's toes. Oh no, step, step where you want. <laughs> Um, no. Um, ultimately, to me personally, and I think this is a sentiment shared by a lot of other people. Uh. It is ultimately about self-expression uh, yeah. and exploration of what what you want to bring to a table mm. and what sort of experience you want to get out of it. Uh, yeah. and I, I mean, I don't know how else to, how more to elaborate about that. It's just like commander as a as a as a toolbox of self-expression, and you know that's kind of the whole point of it. It allows us to not only kind of bring a tiny aspect of ourselves to a game table and it and and it doesn't have to 100% reflect on us as an individual but like mm. you get to uh you know you get to experiment and you get to really see what excites you mechanically and visually about a game so uh you have guys like Fitz who who made a <laughs> Carter Doom Scourge deck that was all about like sick awesome artwork um yeah. that has a bit of functionality to it and it's then absolutely um you know, you have people that want to play CEDH who want to get the best of the best of the game right in a like in a in four turns. You know, and and you gotta assemble your little engine to win the game, whether that means it's Thassa's Oracle or something else. You know, so um, and even that room. has a ton, that has a ton of creativity in it that people yeah. don't. Uh, like, forget about. Or I don't. No, they, they I don't, don't give enough don't credit see. for it. I don't. At exactly. All. There's there's some wacky stuff, and um, definitely Dan, moderately anonymous, is is a great example. It's like you could just see. It's like we can make almost anything work in a way. It's 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 wild. Exactly. I love it. It's there's and, heaps of and, creativity. And it's just it, at the end of the day, is that it doesn't matter what I say or what Sam says or the the yes the, yeah. uh, the command zone guys or anyone else says like if. If you agree with it just by listening to it or watching it or reading it, then like, mm. good. But at the end of the day, it's about what you're bringing to the table and, uh, yeah. you know, flourish a little bit, you know, show off what yeah. you got. Yeah, exactly. Use it as a creative conduit. And um, yeah, exactly. And that, that's that's a perfect on-road to get talking people and, and, you know, to share. Exactly. I love it. 
Speaking of sharing, thanks thanks for sharing your story, Carl. I love it. The, you know, the, there's there's so much there that I I already knew. I remember when you first started your podcast, it's like I just aligned with this straight away because it's about the type of stuff that I think needs a bit more attention. As far as like, let's not like try and find the most optimal commander. Let's find the one that is is more fun and does something interesting. And you know, just there's always something fun when you look at the things that way. And 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 just get you thinking different ways. So, um, but more importantly, it's just you know. It's, been a great excuse to chat to you about all, all, all things you know that we've we've all got crazy uh different we're all a a combination of different influences over the years and and it's you know i think it's important to kind of let people share that and i'd love to to hear where all that came from so thanks for thanks for sharing with everything yeah and thank you for uh like not just for myself but for all your previous guests too like you you and uh and and cheshire bringing uh, to commander and, and magic in general by allowing uh, allowing all these different content creators to come forth and really share their personal experiences like it's not just that you get to see their tweets or listen to their podcast or whatever like mm. you you get a solid um i think you get a bit more solid understanding of these people that might you know might be speaking for us like rachel weeks or yeah yeah whoever totally. you know or just uh just another uh joe schmo like like me who's just kind of hanging around and <laughs> trying to uh, yeah. we're, we're all joe schmoes it's yeah. exactly Stat- status is nothing but yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, and that, like, that's that's totally the point it's just like it's we're all people at the end of the day and like let's you know magic is is just that someone put it i, I keep using it because and i need to find, remember who said it so i can credit them but like magic is the excuse i love that yeah, it's a good. It's a good excuse. <laughs> exactly, I love it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, best place to round it out is uh, what we usually do: just a uh, a quick rehash on the entertaining of any non magic media that's had our taste or attentions this week. So I've got an absolute banger of one, um, but I'll give the uh, floor to you if you want to now. Um, anything you've been uh, vibing this week? Oh man, uh, just more things to talk about and shut your head <laughs> off uh two things uh i did mention tales of arise earlier when it came to video games and uh nice. i spent probably the better part of a month playing that game um enamoring story visually stunning gameplay is really fun the characters are really interesting and entertaining if corny uh i can understand why that type of game might not vibe with anyone but uh yeah just really I just had a really fun time with that. That's eaten up a lot of my time. Um, and then I've actually recently picked up the original run of Cowboy Bebop on Netflix. Oh, I saw this. I forgot to bring this up. Yeah. yeah. I saw you doing your, your, you did a tweet for tweet kind of just thought of each episode, which yeah. I loved. Yeah. Um, awesome. I'm just started episode 12 and I kind of took a break cause I got like new jobs starting tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but you know, for all the the hype and all the conversations, the the uh, live action one coming out, I'm like, all right, where the heck am I going to find this thing? And sure enough, Netflix delivered. It just popped on. Uh, yeah. My guess is in the last week or so. Um, a lot so of people yeah. watching it because that yeah, that live action one exactly. Like, uh, I wasn't entirely sure what I was going to be expecting when I started because I only knew bits and pieces, and I might have seen like a gif of spike roundhouse kicking a dude or whatever and you just kind of yep. laugh a bit, a bit you're like wow this is really good animation but uh uh each of the characters are charming and in their own way despite the fact that like you know that they're not upstanding good people um 
Exactly. I, Everyone's got their flaws, and that's it. That's yeah, the important yeah. Kind of so, there. so really good, kind of like down to earth human story on top of like really great action, like fight scenes. Uh, whatever space battles are happening with their little flyers and like guns and missiles and all this other stuff is going on. I'm like, there's actually like a lot of care that was taken into these. Uh, it just feels really smart. I guess is the mm, word. Like mm. it just uh, stylistically, functionally, like all of it just seems really cool. Um, I just because I'm going in episode thirteen. I just finished the one where uh, it was just isolated to the Bebop, and it was the um, uh, it was like this little monster that had come out of the fridge and just started taking everyone to- out. I was about to ask you that, Dan, yeah, if you got I to just, that episode, because that's one of my favorites. That, <laughs> uh, just just the fact that, like, as the episode goes on, like, Spike then is like, I just remembered everything. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, wait, this is like, your oh. fault this is happening? Like, what are you talking it's about? It's so good. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a scene that I always want to bring out when people talk about food going off. Uh, yeah, like that. Just, when he opens a fridge, it's, when oh. it's like... It's like a Norseker of the Valley of the Wind scene. Like it's like a spore forest in there, and it's like it's it's so well illustrated. It's, it's amazing. It, so yeah, like the minute like the when when he started clicking of what happened, and he's like, "I put a lobster oh. in the fridge," and I'm like, "What do you a mean? year ago? <laughs> you did this? You did this? What are you talking about?" And then sure enough, like just he opens the fridge, and I'm like mortified. I'm like, "You're telling yep. me that." A lobster decomposed so horribly in this fr- in this fridge, which is apparently working or not. I don't know, but um, <laughs> you made this mutant demon uh, f- fungus thing that is currently taking out everyone in the crew. Like, are you out of your mind? It took out I'm. It took out the dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's so good. But just yeah, every episode has been a treat. Um, yeah. Uh, I I do kind of like the sort of um, under like it's very much like a episode of the week kind of thing, but there's sort of like this underlying story for everyone that's kind of coming in and out of the narrative, which I'm super exactly. All I about. like that, and I, um, I love that um that that kind of uh, style as well, and and also the fact that it. I mean, at the end of it, I can't remember how many of I had the whole thing on DVD, and I still do somewhere, but um. Uh, it's not many episodes when you put it down to it. Like it's, it's one like twenty six or twenty five or something. Like and it's kind it's of a short. Like it's a shorter anime season for most people nowadays. Exactly, and that's all there was. There's that in the movie, and that's all there ever was. And it's like that's it's kind of delightful when, and it's really special when there's only that much of it. Yeah, sure. that this is something that I think, um, obviously for magic. And and as a consumer, like, obviously we're talking about different forms of media here, but, like, as a consumer yeah. of magic, it's, like, we don't want it to end unless there's this, like, big bombastic end rather than a whimper. And it's, like, that's the end of magic. Thanks for coming. And, like, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also talk about, like, serial comic books or whatever that have been going on for, like, a hundred plus years and our grandkids or our descendants will be able to watch it or whatever. It's just, like, okay, it needs to end. Um, but there is merit in something yeah, starting and stopping, and that's it. Definitely, there's there's definitely qualities to both, of course. I'm I'm sure a lot of people will be like, I wish there was more Cowboy Bebop, of course. Oh, and like it is that classic, but it yeah. you know I'm not sure what exactly to expect from the live action. I actually don't think it's going to be dreadful. 
Neither. Um, I actually watched the trailer. Mike. The, oh, the, did you the, the concept <laughs> trailer they did when they were kind of going through the different set pieces and pushing the frame uh, yeah. past each other and using it like really stylishly? Like I, I think we're in for a treat. I don't think it's going to be like a complete like despair rover. What are they no. doing to my poor thing? I think it's, it's like quite it's respectful. doing it's, yeah. it's doing its own thing too. I think, which I'm yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that turns out after uh, I finish. Uh, the original run. I'm also listening to the dub because um, Jeff, uh, no, not Jeff Goldblum, uh, uh, for Steve, <laughs> Steve, Steve Blum, um, and Wendy Lee and uh, the rest of the ca- the English cast. I think is doing a fantastic job. It holds mm. up. Like they, this is like peak '90s dubbing and it's it's really it's actually good. one of the great dubs yeah it's there's nothing wrong with that one like it's it's very very good so yeah uh that is pretty much it when it comes to like media and stuff that i've been absorbing recently so yeah. dig it dig it um my one for this week was last night we watched dune the new movie so yes um, i had to be reminded that it was a book um yes which uh i did this with um scott pilgrim Lord of the Rings and probably something else that like I didn't know that it was already a it was in book form or some kind of like readable media so like I'm like I got nothing going in yeah, yeah yeah no I exactly it, I I heard it's pretty good and I think I'll either make the effort to go read the books before go seeing the movie, but like fat mm. chance of that happening, so I'll probably just go watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, I always, I always have noble intentions with that stuff too, but uh, you know, I'll get to it. I guess I think if anything, this movie's very inspired me, like, very much inspired me too. Um, in the, especially the fact that this is a uh, a very much loaded part one to kind of mm-hmm. really, and and by the end of it, long movie, you're like, this is just the beginning in a good way, and I think that's. My my overarching view of this was like I I love maybe it's because I'm a Lord of the Rings fan or something, but it's like I love this like delayed storytelling that it does actually span it out to make it one of the most immersive worlds I've ever been a part of in a movie. Um, it's not going to be for everyone because some people like their their punches a bit quicker and that kind of thing and don't have to pay attention, you know, don't don't want to pay attention as much, but. Mm. I I never re- I've I've read the book of course I know some people that that merited like I'll put it as like their top piece of media you know like ever they just adore it that's like their favorite or you know their favorite novel and that kind of thing so I was always like yeah awesome um I watched the 1984 movie I think it's 1984 I basically think, yeah, 80s it's 84, one yeah 84 with Sting in it and like it's um and it's wild uh I didn't I remember watching that and going I need to read some wikis because a lot is a lot is dumped on you really early to try yeah. and like go keep up, keep up. And that's why this movie, the new one, uh, does a really good job of actually world building that, building that out at a, at a good pace. And also that doesn't feel forced. Like you're going through a tutorial level. There are some ways like that. He's, he, he's learning about some things or basically he's doing basically what an audio book would be with holograms or something. And that teaches you, I think in a really good way of, of what's, what all the things are and all the rules are in the world because it is this it's it's a sci-fi world where a lot of the rules are like different than a lot of those heuristics we can traditionally lean on for like this is the hyperspace system and this is this and you know they've got guns and it's like there's something very different about it that it's it's a lot of melee weapons there's a you know that there's a lot of someone talked about it's a it's a weird way to put it 
spice is is essentially the 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 uh, element that pretty much runs everything economy wise and also like power wise kind of too and it affects people and so there's a lot of this stuff that a lot of the spaceships and and kind of technology is less it's actually a little bit more analog if that makes sense because a lot of it's sometimes about people kind of manipulating time and space with the spice rather than like it just makes a hyperdrive thing work or just, something and like it just hand wave it it just does that yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting so it's it's and again i can't comment too much on it because I, I feel like i'm just scratching the surface and i'm i'm kind of just diving into it but yeah i we had the best time we were cheering afterwards it's an amazing hand zimmer soundtrack one of his best i feel like can't, just can't, but can't one go of his, wrong one of his best in context of the movie i think it just it just fits the aesthetic everything the the whole yeah like the costume design the the how you make a world like that is is un, unbelievable like it's like how do you do that and then like to do it and make sure you do it justice because of how much it means to people but um i believe it is the same director as like blade runner um which uh i admit um i watched blade runner once and i uh didn't get it or like it Oh, same, same, I need to... same, same, same energy. Actually, that you like. Oh, there's everyone could start talking about which ending is which and yeah. all that stuff. It's I, wild. I, I need to go back and watch the final cut, and then also go watch 2049 because I know I missed, I way missed out on that. But I also hear that yeah. uh, 2049 is like severely underpraised, and like it's actually oh, 100%. Like, so, yeah. fantastic and like the few things i've seen of it uh like composition wise and stylistically like it's it looks stunning and i can only imagine what yeah. it's like in motion and so. that's what you get a lot of in june too so you get uh so yeah dennis Villeneuve uh did blade runner 2049 and i'll say blade runner both the, the old and the new are, are both really great movies to keep layering like watch it another time watch it another time always going to be enjoyable but you're always going to pick up on new things and like understand a bit more of the world because similar thing it's just a big immersive world with lots of lore to kind of you know pick up on so i can't wait to watch dune again uh it was one of the most immersive experiences so far and i'm completely fine that one criticism i heard people like well nothing really happens yet i'm like yeah but that's that's like fellowship the ring right like you Things happen, but we're kind of leading up, and it feels like one of the best lead ups so far. Where I'm, I'm so onboarded now. I know the world a little bit more, and I, I kind of, there's still lots of mysteries to be uncovered, and uh, you know, interesting politics to happen. And and, and the second uh, part was confirmed to be happening. So oh, it has to. And, and I, I honestly, um, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, is this the type of movie that starts to kind of normalize a bit more of a pattern of making longer movie trilogies, uh, trilogies or something like that, or like multi-part series that are quite long? I mean, it's it's not that new. It's it is a Lord of the Rings type thing, but maybe this changes the appetite a bit more. To be, it felt at points it had the kind of the pacing of more like a really great TV show, like a great TV series that you I, I have mean, the time to explain things. This this is the thing about um, whether it be movies, TV shows, trying to chase after the the original feeling of whatever that thing was, whatever the yeah, popular totally. style is. Like nothing, the you know the fact that the Hobbit came out as a trilogy was just quite frankly disappointing, and I didn't even really like the book and i actually read the hobbit that one, yeah so like, that, that one's wildly stretched like um, and it's, I, wa- I watched it again and it's like ah, it's, yeah, it's, it's just like they could have it's fun but it's not could have could have arguably put it down to two movies and i think it would have probably redeemed yeah. itself a little bit and maybe 
yeah, you could have pushed it to one, but then you're really asking too much. So yeah, yeah. Um, but the other thing is like I, I understand that like even from a financial standpoint that like investing in a long term uh franchise uh a, a, a sequence of of movie sequels of a of a pre existing franchise and and doing it the service mm-hmm. it deserves and making sure that people appreciate what's being done and you're not just slapping a bunch of actors in and just praying for the best that the the actors are going to be pulling the weight of the yes. movie just yeah. by being there it's just like um you know maybe like whether it's like the marvel cinematic universe of being like well you know we've been doing this literally for 20 some odd coming up on 30 different movies like do we need to keep doing this and then you have another mm-hmm. franchise uh or movie sequence i don't know what to call it but like if dune is going to be another long-term investment um fingers crossed that they pull it off because like i can only imagine the kind of pressure that it's gonna have uh, yeah to keep up the tempo and exactly um and again i haven't read the books for this but um the expanse uh as yeah, a series, yeah yeah like totally like if you do it in a TV format, you might not have as much of a budget and you have a lot more constrictions, but the trade-off is that you have the room to really um, mm. get the details down right. Like, there's a, it's a good middle ground, I guess, is what I'm trying to get. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, uh, media is a... Oh, man, media is such a difficult thing to parse and navigate through and... Like you say, pressure's a big one I always pay attention yeah. to. And, like, and, and that I can always see where that directly influences something where it's like, well, the first one was great, but the amount of pressure to make the second one kind of started to change the waters a bit, you know? Like, it really did. Sequelitis is a huge problem. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of hard to hit. If you're already started on a high note, it's even hard to just match that high note, you know? And Exactly, exactly. Uh, um, that's why you get Spider-Man 1, 2, and then 3... And Spider-Man 2 of the Raimi trilogy is considered one of the best uh, sequels of a trilogy before it all goes nosediving. <laughs> um, so and then, you know, the first can never be beat or whatever. You know, it's it's a tough act to follow. And yeah, the pressure pressure's on. Yeah, exactly. Um, hard to agree. But um, yeah, that, that's June. Watch it. Love If you love sci-fi, watch it. If you just love being immersed in a world watch it it's 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 great and um looking forward to seeing where that goes for sure but um nice one all right cole we better wrap it up or else you're you're almost at risk of uh of taking someone's i think ginger joe's uh dubious honor of having the longest episode you're pretty close actually um but well come on uh, let's keep it going then <laughs> no it's not a competition well i'll exactly. have you here's the thing here's the thing uh i'll have you back on and we can do another hour and a half long episode and then we'll call it even yeah, yo, I've got to, I've got to find another uh, uncom- uncommon commander. Um, I've got a couple actually. I got uh, what is it? The Mariah of the Frost. Yeah, there you go. Sweet. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, we'll go on and I, talk about that. Though. I almost derailed your uh, the furry episode to talk about that one because I just really wanted to. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Thanks, thanks so much, Cole. And it's yeah, it's been a blast chatting to you, and look forward to heaps more. And um, yeah, just just keep doing what you're doing because uh it's it's very valuable and it's um makes me really excited to to think about command cards every every week and more importantly everything else and you know thanks for being a great person and and all that but uh where where can the people find you my friend um oh man i'd want to plug in my art stuff but i don't think i'm ready to do that quite 
just yet. <laughs> uh, you'll probably uh, you'll see me over on Twitter at Eclipse Meteor. That's one word, exactly as you think it's spelled, Eclipse Meteor. Uh, and then you can find, well, I mean, that's where I go talk about like magic and a bunch of other stuff and my live tweeting about watching Cowboy Bebop. Um, then you can find the Uncommon Commander and Unconventional EDH podcast over on Anchor and quite a few different providers, mostly Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and whatever odds and ends where Anchor distributes it to. Um, mostly just Spotify, I think is where people are watching it right now. Yeah, exactly. Nice. And I highly recommend it because uh, if you want just a, uh, a slightly shorter podcast, but it's it's about just, just great uh, great deck stuff and, and good conversations and that I think listeners of this podcast would absolutely enjoy as well. So, um, But you can find me at uh, Pass the Jam Sam on the Twitters and Instagrams. You can usually find Chesh at Cheshire Plays on all platforms, I think, as well. But more importantly, you can find the podcast at cmdr underscore crunch on the twitters at cmdr crunch on the instagrams and the website is cmdrcrunch.fireside.fm and as always you can send us thoughts feedback pictures of cephalids whatever you feel like to cmdr crunch podcast at gmail.com uh yeah it's been a blast man it's um it's it's been a real good solid one that uh you know i love reaching that three hour zone and you know it's where the good stuff comes out so um yeah, appreciate it so much, and I, I I love that you've got the energy to keep up to you know this length because uh I think people are pretty surprised like well that's a long time without a break. It's I like, mean I yeah uh, <laughs> a break whenever you want. But I yeah, do this exactly. I do this usually. Uh, I mean I don't know I'm too much of a conversationalist. I'm really loud as well, and uh, <laughs> you know my girlfriend uh, she has uh, some sensory issues like she gets overstimulated, so I sometimes have to try and make an effort to keep it in check. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's the thing about uh, editing magic where you can lower my voice like three <laughs> levels to make sure I don't blow I people's uh, <laughs> ears out. I do that to um, mine because I'm, I'm very, very concerned about it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, no, coming on chatting this long, pretty normal. I'd like to do it more often, but, you know, not everyone yeah. can handle it. Well, good reason to have you back and uh, also a great reason just to share a table because uh, I know that's when we share a table, people are like, oh, do we get our go? It's do like, we? Yeah. Do yeah we... Do, can we get a word? <laughs> <laughs> we just heard talk, nerding out about so That's great. Um, anyway, we usually sign off with a little bit of advice. Do you have any uh, advice uh, this week for our, our, our listeners? Just what, I don't know, top of your head and you know, center of your mind, whatever you're feeling that uh, is a good recommendation. Okay. Uh, don't think this is coming out anytime soon, so it'll be after Halloween. Uh, buy your holiday chocolate the day of or day after because that's when it's going to go on discount. Yeah, totally. It works for all holidays, exactly. Uh, I'll just say pick up a, uh, a paintbrush and uh, just start painting stuff. And, um, you know, just it doesn't have to be any good, but um, give it a go. Look super, at, uh, super relaxing. Yeah, totally. Look at Ryan um, from CCO and uh, Command Ad Popular. Like, check out his stuff on YouTube. How to alter cards, and that's that's been hugely beneficial for me. And kind of learn how to paint again. And it's just been. I don't do it for any reason. I don't ever want to make money out of it, or I just want to make cards to send to people. Is probably if they get good enough. But um, you know, I just it's just been so nice. Last night I kind of did it until about two in the morning. I didn't even realize. I was like, wow, t- just time and space left and. Colin and I had a great little chat before about, you know, there's there's not many things we get to do these days which switch off all your sensory overload, which society demands of us, it seems. So, 
Um, highly recommended. Yeah. I usually say go in the garden, do the same thing. Maybe yeah, paint get, in the garden. Get, <laughs> get, okay, I guess I'll retract the chocolate statement and just say get something in your life to do that puts you in the zone. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's amazing. So. Awesome. All right. Thanks, listeners, for making this far. We'll, we'll catch you again soon. Take care. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye. <laughs>